Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on go to Dobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. You know, the thing about it is you don't want to overreact. And, and, you know, this is an offense that, you know, a couple games ago, you know, this group was touting, and rightfully so, as being a really, and, you know, towards the end of our camp, you know, really explosive, dynamic offense. And um, it's a very capable group. Uh, you know, clearly the last couple of days, not as not as consistent as we would like. Um, the approach was there. We just weren't able to execute as much as we, as we care for. But a lot of confidence in this group, and um, I don't expect any wholesale changes. Oh, good. I'm sure Cardinals fans don't either. No wholesale changes needed. <laughs> Offense is looking good. We are all as confident in this team today as we were on opening day, right? That was the best case zero you could ever have, okay? They did a great job of getting that zero. That's not nice, actually. I shouldn't say that. But I understand where Mike Shield is coming from. I think I do anyways. We'll find out. Okay, we, we certainly will. With former Blue Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We don't have a lot of positivity for you today. I, I hate to be uh, the bearer of bad news. And it's not very nice outside, you know, like all these things. Honestly, can, the weather is exactly how I feel about our professional teams I, right I, now. I, I got some positivity, guys. We don't want to go negative here. Okay. Sports happened last night. Okay. Well, that's, that's a good point. It's a good point. Now that we got that out of the way, now it's making you feel terrible. Okay, right, good. Here we go now. It's not just that the offense is struggling. It's who they're struggling against that really bothered me over the last couple of days. (laughs) Homer Bailey, who I said time and time and time again, is an awful Major League Baseball pitcher. He had allowed a 5-12 slugging percentage in his career against the Cardinals. 5-12. He and Rich Hill had ERAs of greater than five against the Cardinals in their careers. Combined those two held the Cardinals to two runs over 10 innings, both runs coming on one swing. Tyler O'Neill, your guy with a fantastic homer on Tuesday. Those guys, Rich Hill and Homer Bailey, struck out Jamie Rivers as many Cardinals as they allowed hits. Yeah. They had six strikeouts against the Cardinals and allowed six hits. Is that good? It's really bad. 
There is no excuse for it. And during the game yesterday, Jamie, I thought the cat had an interesting observation. He apparently talked with John Mosaylock earlier in the day. Here is his report from that conversation with John Mosaylock. I had a chance to speak with John Mosaylock about that earlier this afternoon, and Mo put it to me in this way. He said this, generally speaking, you want to develop players, but you may have to have less patience this season. It's been an odd schedule for us. Play three off, play two off. It's hard to get your legs under you. Let's get a run of games and see how things develop, but we can't ignore performance for too long. We're trying to win. Danny, it's a question of balance. A problem for me right now, Jamie? I don't know what the fix is. It's not. We can talk as much as we want about Harrison Bader. He's not the only guy struggling They're as a team. They're bottom 10 right now in batting average on base percentage, slugging percentage. They're second worst in hard hit rate. They're bottom three in walk rate. They're bottom 10 in strikeout rate. It's everything. It's everybody. If it was one guy in the lineup, we could talk about him ad nauseum. Right now, Jamie, it's everybody that is struggling in this lineup. So here's where I go with it, okay, is I I, I like to break things down. And I go back all the way to last year's NLCS. And I think about what my, my, oh, I don't know, my anger was at that point that the Cardinals couldn't score runs, that they couldn't generate offense. Then I go from there, work my way back from that point. And I look at what the Cardinals did in the offseason to address that. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Guys, like nothing. I'm like, I'm not being a jerk here. But I know that everybody has been super high on Dylan Carlson. And so am I. Okay. But right now, for whatever reason, development-wise or getting reps in or wanting to see other guys play, he's not here. But even if he was here, even if he was tearing the cover off the ball, that's one guy. It's still not enough. So I go back and I have to point the finger at John Mosaylock and baseball operations. They they did nothing to improve their situation. They crossed their fingers. Tyler O'Neill, I, I crossed my fingers. Okay, Lane Thomas. Well, he was out. He was, he could have been a big part of things for us. Dexter Fowler. We feel like he can bounce back. Matt Carpenter. We're hoping he can bounce back. Guys, there's not one thing that has really changed and this Tyler O'Neill to me looks like he's had the most progression as a batter uh, from last year to this year and he looks you know f- comfortable looks fine in there but there's nothing else there is absolutely nothing else and they did nothing to address it and I think that's what frustrates not just me but I think it frustrates the fan base is that there was nothing done Carpenter has a 561 OPS Wong has 538 OPS Yachty, 444. Bader, 413. That's four of your everyday players below an OPS of 600. 600 isn't good. 750 is around league average. Like, that's when you start getting into quality major league players, and you are far below that with four of your regulars. And I think that's what's so disappointing to me so far, Jamie, is Wong's going to play every day. 
Yachty's going to play every day. Carpenter was supposed to be the guy that coming off of this great summer camp that he had that we heard from everybody about, and we'll talk with Mark Saxon about, because he said he thought he was going to have a good season, or it looked like he was going Mm -hmm. to. He hasn't been able to get things going thus far. You've got a team that is scuffling at the plate right now. And so I hear what you're saying, Jamie, about they didn't do anything to change things. A lot of these guys, though, were guys that you were going to count on no matter what. Wong was going to be out there every day. You were going to have Carpenter in some capacity in the lineup every day. Yachty wasn't going to be taken out of this lineup no matter what you did this offseason. No, but then you should have added something somewhere. Something had to go, right? If you're going to keep certain parts exactly the same, then you've got to add something. Like, I look at it as a car that's a you know, an old, beat-up car that can't get you from zero to 60, but you paint it. Hey, we got a new car. Well, no, you don't, actually. You got the same car. You just changed the paint. And I think that that's what the Cardinals have done here is they've shuffled the deck a little bit in their own batting order. And, you know, Tommy Edmond now is a full-time third baseman, at least for the moment. They really haven't addressed the fact that the car can't come from, get from zero to 60. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 636. As Tony would say, it's the first week of the season. Relax. Yeah, but it's not. We're 10 game we're 10% of the way through the season, yeah. guys. Like the I understand the sentiment. I do. And in a typical Major League Baseball season, I would be saying the exact same thing. I'd be saying, relax. It's going to be all right. It's a long year. This is a marathon, not a sprint. All of the platitudes that you can give out, right? Those don't exist in a shortened season. And also, it's not just these smaller numbers, right? The batting average, the The underlying numbers are bad. Mm -hmm. They're 29th in hard hit rate. That's a measurement that would show you that maybe they're just getting unlucky. If they were like fifth in the league in hard hit rate, they're hitting the crap out of the ball. Okay, they're unlucky. We can move forward, and eventually this is going to be able to normalize. It's going to get back to where you'd expect it to be. No, they're not getting unlucky. In fact, in some respects, they've gotten lucky that they've been as good as they have been thus far. Thank God for Tyler O'Neill. Thank God for Tommy Edmond. Because if those guys weren't hitting the way that they have been, or at least showing some of the power that they had, imagine how tough this lineup would be right now. I'm going to get probably roasted for this, but... Just go for it. We're already getting it anyways. I'm I'm not so much on this doom and gloom panic button yet for this offense okay cool but it started last year it did start last year (laughs) but but yes this is an atypical season and yes you're 10 percent into the season but you're also four months or three months however much you're removed from spring training you were and i mean as an athlete you get into the rhythm you get into your reps and i mean look if you look at paul goldschmidt's numbers he's normally a guy who is slow out of the gate he doesn't pick up until halfway through the season You take that and then you put it into, okay, hit your spring training, but now we're going to take two, three months away from you of actual games and then just go back into the fire and start hitting. Some guys, yes. Harrison Bader, we've, we've rode this ship. It's done. I'm done with this. Dexter Fowler, yeah, you're hitting, but we're done with this. But guys like a Tommy Edmond, who's hitting, but he's not hitting like he was, or a Colton Wong, or a Yadier Molina, or even a Paul Goldschmidt. I'm not so much to bash them yet because I don't think we've given them enough time to get into it yet. See, I'm different on this one. I'm sorry, Alex. I look at last year in the playoffs, NLCS specifically, okay? And I know they had an off season and they had two spring trainings and all that. But nobody was there last year, NLCS. It was, it was Martinez was the only guy who had a, a good uh, 
NLCS. What the heck was his first Jose name? Martin. Jose Martinez. Well, forget it. Martinez. He'd be nice to have right now, by the way. had a great night yesterday for Tampa. Yeah, so my point is, that's the guy we remember. All these other guys, Alex, had plenty of opportunity back then when they had a whole season of runway behind them that they could have performed. And in the offseason, they didn't improve. They just didn't. And I'm I'm looking at it going, they didn't change. Ozuna was the personnel that they got rid of. I bet they would have liked to have his bat over the weekend, right? Or this week in Minnesota. I know you got defensive problems there, but hey, Ozuna as a DH probably would have been all right for you. I'm also a little frustrated with the comment that we heard from Schilt coming into this. And by the way, audio courtesy of Fox Sports Midwest. Appreciate them for putting that out there for us. But the the comment doesn't match with his actions last night. He pinch hit for Harrison Bader last night when he needed a big spot, right? You, You had a one on one out top of the eighth. You need a hit there. And instead of Harrison Bader going up to the plate, he brought in his backup catcher, who over the last three years is a 215 hitter. He's not good. Matt Wieters is not a good hitter at this point in his career. He once was. He's not anymore. That's the guy that he brings in for Harrison Bader when you need somebody to get a hit in that spot. But you don't have anybody on your bench to hit there, though, that can yeah, get a hit. Yeah, who do you plug in at that He's point? He's the only one who can hit. Adam Wainwright. I would have put Adam Wainwright I probably, or my Oh, no, Miles is out. I'm not even out. joking. Let me clarify. No <laughs> issue with the pinch hit. Issue with if you're going to hit, pinch hit in that spot with Matt Wieters for Harrison Bader, then you are saying that there's urgency here. You are suggesting that you don't trust Harrison Bader to do anything in the lineup. And so moving forward, like Friday night, you should see Lane Thomas oh, in the lineup. Uh, I don't g- think you're going to. Oh, I think you will. I, think I don't he think has you're going to. to. I, think, I think he has I to. think that yesterday was the last straw for Harrison Bader. Not last straw. This is it for well, you. I but don't th- think that. I think you'll see Lane Thomas in there for Dexter Fowler. No. I. I you'll see Fowler's Dexter. Been hitting Fowler's better been than hitting. Than I just think that. I think. Bader. I, guys, I understand. I just think somehow, someway, Mike Schilt is married to this Harrison Bader experiment. Mm, I and I don't think he's going to veer off the course. I, I think he will. I think Lane Thomas is going to get that start. I think Lane Thomas starts two of those three over Harrison Bader against the Milwaukee Brewers. I think the the thing he's saying not to pump the or not to panic and pump the brakes on is the offense. Like he's not saying let's panic on our offense right now because you've had two games where you've hit what one or two runs. I'm not saying it's no, right. I just I'm like going, Schilty. Come I on, know buddy. Mike Schilt language. He's having that moonshine. He's saying <laughs> Mississippi moonshine. He's saying let's not panic on the offense overall. It's going to hit. It's hard to believe that. But that's why I thought I'm going to get roasted because I think there is a chance. It's funny that he used that word. It's going to hit. <laughs> As it ain't. You got to use puns every once in a while. As it's it just, ain't. I don't. I don't think we're going to see Harrison Bader out of the lineup. I thought we would last night. I thought last night was the perfect scenario to get Lane yep. Thomas out there. You've seen him scuffling Harrison Bader, and it hasn't gotten any better. Go with Lane Thomas, and now we just saw him pinch hit in a big spot for Harrison Bader with this backup catcher. That's why I think Lane Thomas will be in because they pinch hit for him in a spot like that, meaning he's not going to hit. Tomorrow tomorrow or later today, Jamie, I want to talk about Dylan Carlson because we got a text from the 618-65780 is their comfort service text line. How about Dylan Carlson? He is not going to be a savior for this lineup. No. You need more than just one guy. And now I am. Who's going to bat him home? 
If he gets on base. I'm coming around to your side a little bit, Jamie. I, I would be worried if they brought him up right now that he would be counted upon to save the lineup. And he's not good enough to do that. Nobody, no one player right now is good enough to do that. That's what I've been trying to get at here. It's it's top to bottom. You, you've got too many guys that are scuffling for any one player to be able to make the difference. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's 11:14. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Want to get into Daniel Ponce de Leon's start? We'll get into that coming up at 11.30 with Mark Saxon. But coming up next, we got our first look at the Blues. Could have gone a little better. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. I didn't think that we possessed the puck enough from when we did have it. You know, our execution wasn't good, so we ended up giving it back to them. You know, unforced, unforced errors. You know, I think, you know, once the, the real game start, it's, you know, we're going to be better for sure. And we're going to possess that puck more for sure. Um, but I would have liked to, I would have liked to see more of it tonight. Me too, Burby. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I hope they get better. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. That was Craig Berube after uh, the Blues' first loss. That doesn't count in the standings, thank God, uh, last night against the Blackhawks. And Jamie, it... It just didn't look like the Blues. And I don't know what I was expecting, honestly. They, they haven't played a real game in four months at this point. So that's probably something pretty close to what I should have expected. But they didn't. There's a difference between being in good shape and being in game shape. We've heard that from coaches for years, right? And it looked to me last night, my biggest takeaway was the Blues aren't quite into game shape just yet. What was your biggest takeaway from the Blues last night? Well, yeah, that's to me, that was the number one thing that stood out. I mean, heck, I even put something out on Twitter last night just saying, look, this is a direct reflection of the boys not being in game shape. And all that means is, especially, specifically to the St. Louis Blues, they play a very tight checking game. Their forecheck is very tight. Guys are playing close together, meaning that they have one and two and three guys on the puck at any different time. The neutral zone is usually plugged up with one guy forcing the puck, another guy taking away the middle, another guy closing off the boards, the D holding the blue line. They shrink that neutral zone up into where you really can't breathe in there. Then the defensive zone, same thing. Usually they have two and three guys on the same side of the puck, take away the middle of the ice, which is the house right in front of the net. We didn't see that. So what it looked like to me is guys were going for it, like the F1 on any play in the neutral zone would head towards the puck hard, but then F2 and F3 weren't quite in their spots. They were working to get there, but what it did is it created gaps all over the ice. So the Chicago Blackhawks playing, they didn't work. They weren't great either. They looked like a really good men's pickup team, but they also looked like a team that didn't really care, right? They're, yeah. they're playing with borrowed time right now. So they're passing it around and making plays. And when you leave gaps like that all over the ice, it's easy for Patrick King to make plays. Easy for Jonathan Taze to look like he's an all-star again. So I think for me, the biggest thing is the, blue, the Blues from now until Sunday somehow have to get back into game shape to where they're playing tight as a five-man unit in every single zone. And they really, 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 in particular, have to clean up the defensive zone. They were all over the place. They weren't in sync. The front of the net was just left wide open. The goaltenders didn't have much of an opportunity on a lot of those things. Now, Jordan Bennington, he was pretty solid. Probably could have helped himself on the two goals that were right in that front. Just move your stick out a little bit and deflect the puck away. 
Uh, I know goalies are programmed now to stay condensed, not to leave you know anything exposed or open. But again, not enough game reps for these guys to be where they need to be as a team. The Blues don't play the same way as everybody else. So a lot of work to do between now and Sunday. Chemistry on offense was off too for me, and I know you kind of touched on that there, but those guys were too close together. I mean, there was one play in the first period that Schwartz, Shannon, Tarasenko had the puck, and it felt like they could have just lobbed it to each other. Like, they could have picked it up and handed it, but that's how close they were. When the Blues are offensively on their game, they're spread out. I mean, you got guys on each board, one down the middle, and they're going ice-to-ice passes and coming up with plays. That's how you get speed through the neutral zone, and they just didn't have that. Now, with with the defense being said, and Rivs, you laid it out perfectly, there were two things that I took away. One was Bennington, and I thought Bennington actually played really well, considering he was left out to dry. Now, yeah, he could have had those two, but I mean, Jordan Bennington is not used to having one defenseman when you have three forwards all in his crease, and those plays were just incredible plays. Those plays could have been broken up with a stick in the zone, whether it be Bennington or a defenseman, and they just were off their game, and Petro said that after the game, but overall, I thought Bennington was on his game. He came up with some big saves in that flurry of chances Chicago had. The other one was Tarasenko to me. I mean, if anybody looked good on the ice, it was Tarasenko and Petrangelo. Those were the two players that I thought the best. Tarasenko had six shot attempts. I mean, this guy was flying through the zone, but as I was telling Danny Mack earlier, he looked good because he was going to the net. And after you go through two shoulder surgeries, you don't go to the net. Like, not that quick because you're worried something's going to happen. He was going into the zone. He was trying to come up with big plays. So, for me, those two takeaways were there. But overall, they looked exhausted, and it looked like an exhibition game. Yeah, and look, you you bring up a couple of really good points there. And what I think I'd like the listeners to understand here is the Blues were in the vicinity in all these plays, oh, yeah. right? So there's one thing to not even be close to what you're supposed to do, and that's a bigger problem. The Blues were either on their way to where they're supposed to be or actually right there. If you look at the two goals that were in tight, you have the one guy gets right behind Braden Shen. Braden Shen's standing right there. He's right in position, but he doesn't take the player behind him. The next goal, Alex Petrangelo who, by the way, was the best, Oh yeah, I think, not just the best defenseman, the best player on the Blues team last night. You yeah. do the eye test and you do the analytics, this guy had a good game. Mm-hmm. He had played really well. But on that play, he's right beside the guy, doesn't get the stick soon enough, and boom, it's up in the top corner. So they're in the vicinity. And I think right now, tired legs equal tired brains. Mm-hmm. And then as the game went on, they're forcing things. Yeah. They're really forcing the play, trying to get back into it, and it just made it worse. I think that play was sitting there, too, for these guys. Like, you had four months off, three months of training camp, and then two weeks before games actually... I mean, look, you can say that the round-robin games matter and that the exhibition game matters. In their minds, playoffs don't start for three weeks. August 11th. So so you're sitting there going, okay, August 11th is when we start. I looked it up because I was like, okay, how much time how much do time they have, have to get right. into actual shape? And the answer is basically two weeks. But Baruby, the way he said on that return, will be ready, obviously, by the time the playoffs start. And then, guys, I don't know if you saw it. I was watching it. Braden Shen's eyes, when he walked off that bench last night, looks like, you got us this time. Not going to happen again. It was very, it was a very frightening look that Shen had, but it was a satisfying feeling. Yeah, I think he was really frustrated too. I think that the, the I, I saw a ton of frustration on these guys' faces. And as the camera would pan across the bench, they're not, it's not familiar territory to be there for the Blues. And so I think that they were angry and frustrated all at the same time. Um, but yeah, you know, Chief has, 
what, a couple of days of practice here before they get to the Sunday round robin game. And the only thing he can do, guys, and, and you know, everybody just assumes, well, we're going to Herb Brooks it, you know, again, again. No, you're not going to do that. It doesn't serve any purpose because these guys could probably skate up and down and up and down and up and down. It's game situational skating is what they're missing right now, where they're behind. So the drills will have to be done at top speed, and it will be five-on-five hockey in practice. You will build the conditioning through the drills. There are four things that you guys have talked about, and you're my experts, so I'm going to rely on you I thought BK was going to say there's four things you guys didn't say. No, 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 that you guys have talked about. <laughs> the Blues you've done a fantastic don't have Patrick job. Mahomes. <laughs> That's an important one. Or we'll LeBron. get to him coming up at noon. Uh, <laughs> spacing. Timing, structure, game shape. Those are the four things that I've picked up on that you guys have mentioned the most. And there's only really one thing that can fix all of that. It's time. Mm-hmm. You Reps. just you just need the benefit of time. And the nice thing about where the Blues are is they're not in the qualifying round. Because of the way that they played all season, they're in this round, Robin, which we, we would all love them to end up with the number one overall seat. That'd be great. But in the grand scheme of things, you've said this, Alex, Jamie, you've said it. I know I've heard Joey say it, and we'll talk to him about this coming up at 1230. It doesn't really matter. It's about the matchup, and we don't know what those matchups are going to be because they're reseeding this year. So really, they've got two weeks. The benefit of time is on the blue side here. They have basically three more games that they can use to be able to get that structure, the timing, the spacing, get back into game shape, use this all to their advantage. And they also have one other thing in their advantage. They have Craig Berube. And if you're going to have any coach to get this thing back on track in those two weeks, it's Berube. So I trust in him. I trust in this team and this veteran leadership to get things going. It's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough, but they've got two weeks to be able to get it done. The one thing that I will caution the St. Louis Blues on is just what you said. I don't want the St. Louis Blues to think that, oh, we have three more games. We have all this runway to get in shape. No, in order to get this turned around quickly, they have to act like every single day. Like tomorrow, tomorrow's a game day, right? So we need to be prepared. It's not a game day, but you have to treat it like that. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that this team is going to close the gap from where they were in Game 7, the Stanley Cup Final last year, to where they are right now is by treating it like they're out of time. And if they don't, if they sit back and they have that attitude of, well, it's just an exhibition game, it is what it is, got three more games, they'll be gone. Yeah, They'll be gone before you know it. And I know that Craig Berube is going to drop the hammer. He's going to be foot on the gas the entire time. He knows what he has to do to get these guys back to Stanley Cup championship form. And it starts tomorrow inside the locker room there's got to be a lot of urgency for us on the outside looking in. for you as a fan as a listener it's okay we i am i'm willing to take the long view much more so with the blues right now than the cardinals the cardinals are urgent now for inside of that club looking in because they haven't hit for three years (laughs) (laughs) the The blues haven't scored in three months i guess they really haven't the blues (laughs) is more of a on the inside urgency on the outside patience and that's that's the difference that i would look at it with these two teams right now because these games do matter 
but not nearly as much as they do for the Cardinals. And we'll see what that looks like on Sunday. We will have that game right here on 101 ESPN Blues versus Avalanche. The first of the round robin games we will have pregame at 430 Sunday with Alex Ferrario puck drop coming up at 530. Coming up next, Mark Saxon. I would love to get his perspective on this Cardinals offense. And does he think Daniel Ponce de Leon earned himself another start with what he did last night? We'll talk about that with Mark Saxon, our Cardinals insider next on 101. ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Alongside former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line where I'm sure it's all going to be rainbows and butterflies as we talk about the Cardinals with our Cardinals insider, Mark Saxon. Saxy, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, I, I think you're, a, you're you're making the point that I may not be entirely, um, you know, positive about the team after not last night's performance. BK, is that where we're going with this? <laughs> I mean, Saxy against two pitchers that I think um, I would say liberally aren't very good. Homer Bailey and Rich Hill had as many strikeouts against the Cardinals over the last two days as they allowed hits. Um, so, yeah, I could understand why you wouldn't be overly positive about the offense right now. So let, let's start with that, Saxy. Um, just how bad a shape is the offense in right now, in your opinion? Well, I think last night and the last few nights really have looked a lot like the playoffs last year, right? <clears throat> just really nothing happening. And last night, I think for the first time in well over 100 games, they didn't even get a player in scoring position. Nobody reached second base. So, that tells you not only are they not getting on base, they had three hits, but they're certainly not driving the ball. And I think underlying that is some, some other data that sort of supports that. I looked it up today. There's only two, two Cardinals hitters who are in the top 150 for average exit velocity. So they're not particularly hitting the ball hard. And if you're not doing that, you really don't have a chance. Now, of course, it's only five games, and even in a condensed season, this would be the equivalent of, what, like 13 games, right? You don't typically see major personnel moves made in mid-April. Um, teams a lot of times will wait until about a month beyond that, mid-May, I think is when the Cardinals have started doing a lot of things. So I don't necessarily expect major changes, but, yeah, not not reassuring if you were hoping that this offense had made a big step forward so far. All right, Saxy, here's where I am on it. And I went back and forth this morning with uh, Mr. Ferrario here in studio. And, you know, to your point of this is something kind of what we saw last year in the playoffs, that's my point, is it started last year in the NLCS, and it's carried over. And I know there haven't been a lot of games, and we've had some unique times here during the pandemic but my point is, is that I don't feel like the Cardinals as a staff or as an organization addressed the fact that they needed offense. I just don't know where they thought the offense would come from with pretty much the exact same crew. Yeah, and, and that's exactly I think where a lot of people are on this. It's a very reasonable place to be. I do think internally they felt... You know, really what we're talking about here is the outfield. That That's where the lack of offense is coming from. Most teams are getting the vast majority of their power, or not the majority, but a lot of their power, a lot of their on-base skills from outfielders. The Cardinals are not getting that. Their outfielders hit seventh, eighth, and ninth most nights. And I think what they felt was that 
they had enough options between Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, Dexter Fowler, Lane Thomas, and Dylan Carlson that eventually they'd get to the right combinations. Maybe we're just sitting here at a moment in time where they haven't made those changes yet, but that's still possible. But you're right. Other than Dylan Carlson, there's nobody new who hasn't been tried that can generate that offense for the outfield because right now this team is getting an overwhelming uh, you know, percentage of its offense from the infield. And, you know, it just seems like a wasted opportunity Typically, you can find outfielders who can hit, and they just haven't been able to do that. We're talking with Mark Saxon. He's the Cardinals insider for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mark A. Saxon. Saxon, I think there's two guys in particular that are probably going to get over the next few days and few weeks, I would imagine, if they continue to be in the lineup every day, the vast majority of the blame for this. And it's Matt Carpenter and Harrison Bader. Uh, We had heard so much from everybody that covered the Cardinals summer camp that Carpenter looked like a different hitter and it just that hasn't translated into what the season has become and then Harrison Bader is hitting 091 with a 182 slugging percentage so far this year things have not gone well for him how long do you think the leash is for those guys to be able to continue getting consistent at bats if this continues so I guess I have to cop first of all I was one of those people who was spreading this notion that Matt Carpenter (laughs) Did look, and he did look fantastic in summer camp. If it were me, BK, I would give Matt Carpenter longer to see if he can start swinging it because he's an extraordinarily streaky hitter. That's just who he is. If they, if he can catch fire for a couple months like he has done in the past, and if that was an indication that he's seeing it better, that he's driving it to the opposite field more, I think it's worth giving that a little longer to play out, maybe even a lot longer. Harrison Bader, to me, this organization has now given him very close to 1,000 major league appearances. And not only is he not showing signs of changing his approach, but the underlying metrics look exactly the same as everything we've seen, which is that he simply struggles in a major, major way to hit anything off speed. And he's seeing a higher percentage of off speed pitches, which obviously is what teams are going to do to him. Right. And everything we heard all off season was, he's going to change his approach. He's going to be more right side oriented. He's going to look to, you know, not necessarily drive the ball in the air to left field as much. The minute I got to spring training and started to talk to people, everyone said he looked exactly the same. He's jumping out of his shoes to hit the ball into the left field stands. And so I just don't see where the evidence is that this guy is going to suddenly become this all-around offensive player. I just don't know what they're looking at. So I can't really answer that one. We're talking with Mark Saxon, Big Saxy, who is a Cardinals insider for The Athletic on Twitter, at Mark Saxon. Saxy, I wanted to switch gears just a little bit and start looking at the Cardinals pitching. And Daniel Ponce de Leon got his shot last night to get in the rotation to have a start against a really difficult team in the Minnesota Twins. In your opinion, did he look good enough or did he settle in good enough after the first inning to earn himself another start? I would 100% say yes. His stuff was absolutely electric last night. That's arguably the best fastball hitting team in baseball. They absolutely love their dead red hitters. They're young guys. They love to drive fastballs. It's how they score. 
And Daniel Ponce de Leon typically throws like 70% fastballs. That's really his main pitch. Um, later in the game, he was bringing in some off-speed stuff. He had eight strikeouts in that game. The problem was he his command wasn't there, and he said it was probably the worst fastball he's command. He's had all the way through spring training, all the way through summer camp. He just kind of couldn't harness it. But the stuff looked electric, and it, 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 he has shown enough command in the past where you'd say, okay, if he can just get a tick more control of that, this is a guy who has good enough stuff to stay in the rotation. I don't see him as a stopgap. If you look at his numbers long-term, he looks like he deserves an opportunity to be a starting pitcher. So I would say absolutely on that. Ponce de Leon, to me, is probably their best option right now. Let's stay on that staff, uh, Saxon, because earlier this week you wrote about Carlos Martinez and the importance of him in that rotation. And let's be honest, this is kind of the theme of our conversation, right? They've got great pitching right now, the Cardinals do, but I mean, look at what the bullpen has done over the last few days. It's been amazing, even against that Twins lineup. But the lineup just hasn't been there. So in your opinion, how important is Carlos Martinez to what this team can accomplish this season if he is able to get to vintage Carlos? How significant is that piece of this whole puzzle? Yeah, so that was sort of the whole gist of my uh, column the other day. I think he could be the key to this whole thing, and I'll tell you why. I think there's absolutely no evidence that this is going to be a dominant offense, even if they improve appreciably just through guys' approaches or whatever. They're going to be a middle-of-the-pack offense as opposed to maybe a bottom third offense. But that's good enough if the pitching is dominant. And when you lose a Miles Michaelis, who even though he didn't have a great year last year, he did have a great year the year before, and he's just got very, very good stuff. He has a lot of pitches. He has great command. And he, he just has that kind of factor. The only other guy aside from Jack Flaherty who has that electric arsenal at this point is Carlos Martinez. So if he can return to sort of be in the first half 2018 guy, the 20, or even better, the 2015 through 2017 Carlos Martinez, forget all the nonsense about whether he's got a good enough head on his shoulders to be a true number one. If he's a good true number two to a Jack Flaherty, that's an intimidating look for other teams who are going to be seeing 95 miles an hour plus. They're going to be seeing great off-speed pitches. So I think it's, it's crucial not for them to be a playoff team. This year you can be below average and be a playoff team. But are they a legitimate World Series contender? Without Carlos Martinez at this level, I'm not sure they are. He's Mark Saxon. You can read his work on The Athletic. You should definitely do so. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mark A. Saxon. Saxy, we appreciate the time, man. We always enjoy these conversations with you. We'll continue reading you over at The Athletic and talking to you here on 101 ESPN. Thanks so much. All right, guys, I'll be listening. Have fun. You're the best. It's Mark <laughs> Saxon joining us here on 101 ESPN. I looked this up earlier today, Jamie, talking about Ponce de Leon. He's the fourth Cardinals pitcher in the regular season to strike out at least eight hitters in fewer than eight innings. Fourth one to ever do it in a Cardinals uniform during the regular season. The others are Andy Bennett, uh, Bobby Shantz, and Dizzy Dean. Decent company. Eight hitters struck out in four innings or fewer. So he's got the stuff. I thought he looked good, man. I really did. First inning was a scramble. There's no doubt. But I thought he looked pretty good after that. He looked good. The first inning, 
talking to the body language expert, yeah. he looked uncomfortable. And I think it was because what he was talking about after the game, he didn't have the command of his fastball. And when you're a guy that throws a majority of your pitches or fastballs, mm-hmm. if you don't have command of that pitch, well, what are you going to do? And Yachty was just continuing putting down fastball, fastball, fastball. And I would imagine if you're Ponce Leon, you're like, I'm going to listen well, to you him. Don't He's Yachty Yachty. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to go with this. And it wasn't working for him. So finally, they were able to get on the on the same page. He finally threw a few more off speed pitches in there and it started working more. But that's the next step for Ponce is being able to get deeper into the games. And. We have a new guy in the running for best hair on the team. Oh, no, not in the running. Oh, the leader of the clubhouse. Him and Harrison Bader. Mm -mm, No contest. I'm telling you. No contest. Ponce is better. We should put a poll up on our 101 ESPN Twitter. Deal. Best hair or better hair. Harrison Bader or Daniel Ponce de Leon. Let's put in Michaelis in here. As as a write in, and okay. then I think the fourth would be Tyler O'Neill. I think that's the top. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He's got the stylish lid. I think that's I'm talking the, sheer the Mount volume. Of hair. The volume of hair. I mean, volume. Mike Michaelis has a a mop. He does. On his head. He does. Well, then we go. Okay, we throw those guys in there. Deal. But I'm telling you, I think that we got. Uh, we definitely have a horse race. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service tax line. If you would like to get your pick in for the best hair on the team, or if you'd like to ask us any questions, we've got questions and answers coming up next on one hundred and one ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on one hundred and one ESPN. Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. I think we just got to keep Ferrario's mic off for this segment. Oh, my. I think he's tired. Been overworked, underslept, underpaid. You say tired, underworked. I say he is game on. There we go. Just power I said in the break, there is, there is very few things in this life. Very, there are very few things in this life that oh, are more you're, satisfying. You're going oh, to go into this. That are oh, more boy. satisfying than a good sneeze. A good sneeze is very satisfying. Uh, my job is on the line if I answer your question. Yeah, text line, text line, we're going my, to do. Text line, we are going to I, depend on you. I can't. I said there's very little. I, I can't. Say there's nothing. I can't. Yeah. I can't. I'm going to, I'm going to, actually, yeah. Alex, just turn my you mic off. Okay, I'm we're done. good. Yeah. 65780. I'm done. It's it. He can't do it himself. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. I'm going to need you guys because I just lost my co-host. Let's start with this, Jamie, because we do have some breaking news in Major League Baseball. The Phillies have canceled workouts today after a coach and a clubhouse attendant tested positive for the coronavirus. According to past and activities are, quote, shut down until further notice. Um, So is this uh, going to be a little bit of a problem for baseball here? Here's my thing, and I don't know the logistics, and maybe the text line knows. I don't know. They seem to know all and and do all properly. Uh, And I don't know if you guys know this, but the clubhouse attendants, are they being tested daily like the players are or every other day like the players are? What I know, I think it's a tiered system, and anybody that is within like close proximity to the players would be in that top tier, so they should be. Um, I don't know if that has been happening, but I, based on the protocols, I believe that they are. Okay, but then here's my problem with it. Again, hey, Rob Manfred, guess what? I got another problem with your system. 
The players are one thing, and the managers and the coaching staff, they have a whole different level of commitment to the team, to the teammates, to winning, to all this stuff, to hopefully stay in this bubble or create this bubble amongst themselves. Do you think the clubhouse attendant really has a lot invested in this? Like, he goes home or she goes home, whatever the deal, and let's say they go out for beers, they hang out with buddies, they go back the next day. Yeah, they're being tested, but there is an incubation period. So I just, again, again, Rob Manfred, I just don't know if this has been thought out properly. And you know what I'm sick of, guys? I'm sick of we're figuring it out on the fly. Because you know what that makes me think? makes me think that baseball could suffer. We could lose baseball because we're not thinking ahead of the game. I, I don't I don't think they really care to be honest with you. No, I think they you just go. I think they that's that's been this whole thing with Major League Baseball. I don't think anybody really cares. I think they're just trying to get through. Well, I think the players care. The players okay. Ca- well, <laughs> other than the Miami Marlins. Well, yeah, you're right. Okay. I guess you're right. There's a lot of different. Yeah, you're some right. players care. Some players care. Some players like Mike Trout or Anthony Rizzo or guys who, you know, families and livelihoods depend on it care. But then there's others that just say, ah, we're back. It's normal. But that's all the more reason then to create the bubble, you know, to make it easier on them. I'm going to use the NHL because that's the only one I've visually seen pretty much the whole thing. Now, the NBA, I have an imagination of what it looks like. But the NHL, man, they've got chain link fence surrounding their bubble. It's basically the same thing in the NBA. Okay, so NBA, NHL. How's the testing going, by the way, for the NBA? It's great. Zero, Zero positives. Right? Alex, NHL? Zero. Okay. Wow. There you go. Figure it out, Major League Baseball. You, you've, you've left way too many holes in the boat here, and now you're going to try and plug them as they continue to appear. It just doesn't make any sense The to problem me. was always going to be what happens whenever you respond to your first positive test, because if it's not just that test, right, It's it can't most likely. The odds suggest that that guy's going to infect other people around him. And we've seen that now. It's been a total outbreak. We saw one more player test positive earlier today on the Marlins. We now have at least two positive tests within the Phillies organization, not players, which fingers crossed, it doesn't cross that line, but at least two within the organization now with the Phillies that have tested positive. And this is the problem is it spreads. It continues to spread. And it's why they had to shut things down for a while for both of these teams. And thank God that they did. So we'll see where it goes from here, but it's I don't think that we are going to see either team play for at least a little while until we see these positive tests slow down within the organizations. All right. Question and answers here. Six, five, seven, eight, oh, air comfort service text line. Uh, I got one for you guys based upon our, you know, our segment here as we came out of the break. Guys, a good sneeze or a good deuce. Which one's better? Good deuce. I'm going sneeze. Really? I'm going sneeze. I, I think. So you just rather crap your pants though. No, no. Sometimes one follows the other. Never know. Never once had that experience. Never had a sneeze into an explosion. No, me neither. No. <laughs> okay. Guess that's just me. Guess I'm in on, on the island. Guess I'm on the the snooze island. <laughs> so we got one deuce. One we got deuce. one sneeze. I'm Tie gonna breaker. go with the deuce. Yeah, you gotta oh, go with the get deuce. Out of here. Yeah, the old deuce big the, the old Mike Keenan. Six five seven eight zero is the air <laughs> comfort service tax line from the six three six. The Cardinals lineup has a DH every day, and it is still a joke. Who can we put in that slot to shake things up? Got news for you, brother. There's not a whole lot of options for you right now. 
I mean, Ravello last night. Hey, give my boy a couple, no, no, I'm couple not, reps. I'm not dogging on him. He had one game. I don't expect miracles. He got pinch hit for as well by Matt Carpenter. Oh, boy, yeah. When your DH, yeah, that's not good. When your DH is batting eighth and then gets pinch hit for later on in the game, it's not a great sign of your options for your DH spot, especially when the DH that you used as the pinch hitter not great, is Bob. batting 200 right now. Mm-hmm. Not great, Bob. Uh, Justin Williams, I'd be fine with seeing him. I mean, I... <laughs> Try whatever. That's that's where we are at right now. Guy who played in AAA last year. Justin Williams, try him. Maybe he'll do it. I maybe maybe Edmundo Sosa can go off. I don't know what else you can do. Guys, I'm telling you. Adam Wainwright. <laughs> just give him a shot, see Why what not? happens. Let the big boy swing. My dad just texted me and he said the snooze. I'm lying I'm dying right now. The snooze. The snooze. It's a thing, BK. Figure it out. Okay. That is funny. (laughs) That is funny. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers from the 618. Hey, guys, do you like the idea of the seven inning double headers that baseball is proposing now? Well, I think that it's going to be a must when you look at certain teams, specifically the Marlins. And what was it? The Yankees and Phillies were postponed to what am I right? Yeah, it was the Yankees and Phillies because they because dis- of the Marlins. Yeah, thing. But we the- have a couple of teams that their season has been disrupted so far, yeah, right? Four so far. So if that's the case, then, yeah, I'm all for seven innings for double headers. I don't really care. Everything is unique. Every- it's a whole new world out there this year for 2020. Let's just get through it. Let's get the games played, make it as even as we can so we can get to a postseason and just go for it from there. So, yeah, I'm okay with it. I am, too. I I know that it's not a traditional game, but it's not a traditional season. They're playing 60 games this year. If somebody hits 400, there's going to be an asterisk next to it. All of this stuff is different, and it is not... 100% in the fabric of the game, right? This is not the typical baseball season. So if you've got to find a way to get these games in the way that the Marlins do right now, God God only knows how long it's going to be before they start playing again. Same thing for the Phillies. Might be a while. So if it's going to take a few double headers with some different teams that they're going up against and you want to shorten those games to be able to get them in quicker, I got no issue with it. I know it's not probably going to be a popular stance, but I'm perfectly fine with it. I got one for you guys. I, I saw it came up uh, maybe a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. I don't know. I, you know. My brain can't remember a lot of that stuff. But from the 314, is it time for the cards to look at Yasiel Puig again? Sure. DH. Well, he's got the positive test yeah, he's that got he's the dealing Rona. with currently. Yeah, but okay, listen, it, how long ago was that? Ready? It was a week, yeah. He's got to be ready to be let out of the cage here soon, right? Well, let's let's see what Matt Carpenter looks like over the next week. And Did if you, he continues you just to pull, struggle. You just gave me a corporate answer. You just went Mike Schilt he on just, us. He just went corporate. Yeah. No, I'm saying well, that. let's the, see how the guys get through this. If it's been a week since the positive test and you've got to wait the two weeks, well then, next week, this time next week, let's see where I'd Matt Carpenter's right at. I'd sign him in quarantine. <laughs> I'd send it to him in a Ziploc bag. Open this sucker up and sign it. To finish my answer, <laughs> let's see what Matt Carpenter's looking like at that point. If he's still batting 200 with no pop and is just hitting dribblers all let's over hope the he place, gets the 200. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you sign Yasiel Puig and see if you can get some power in the lineup. That idiot's Jamie Rivers. He's Alex <laughs> Ferrario, Brandon Kiley. The NFL 100 list ended last night. We got the number one name. 
that player should not have been at number one on this list. And we'll discuss it coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. We all know who the best player in the NFL is, right? LeBron James. Tom Brady. Frank Gore. Duh. He's still active, too. Damn right he is. For all these years. Did you see what his Madden rating was? <laughs> He's 99. Hey, He's not opting out. No. No, because he's Frank Gore. He is the NFL. So the answer to my question was apparently no. Um, <laughs> so I'll go ahead and go through the top five players in the NFL according to other NFL players. So this is the player's opinion. The player's opinion oh, based on last So it last carries more season. weight than like what we think. Absolutely. Okay. At number five, they have Michael Thomas, the wide receiver from the New Orleans Saints. Hard to disagree with that. Great player. At number four... The Super Bowl champion quarterback, Super Bowl MVP, the $500 million man, uh-huh. former league MVP, Patrick Mahomes. Hey, that's good. Congrats. He deserves he the top five. He deserves it. Yeah, he does deserve that. Number four is good. He At- owns the Royals. That's probably what dropped him. <laughs> Could be at number three, Aaron Donald at number two, Russell Wilson and at number one, Lamar Jackson. Okay, so I know where you're going with this. You're all butthurt because your boy (laughs) is at number four. Okay, it's absurd. Okay, absolutely ridiculous. Let me try to provide some ice for your backside here. Now, Patrick Mahomes. Yes, it's absurd. that He's at number four. Is he truly number one? I, I could know. listen to the argument based on last season that Lamar should be number so one. So that's where I'm going. Definitely with, right? listen to that argument. I think Aaron Donald and Russell Wilson, as much as I love Russell Wilson, what he's able to do, and I know Aaron Donald is dominant at his position. Uh, let's be honest. They're not better than Patrick Mahomes. I could argue Russell Wilson just because, I mean, he really carries that team on his shoulder. And, I mean, he does Patrick not. Mahomes doesn't? Yeah, well, <laughs> no, the Chiefs but, don't win the Super Bowl without Mahomes. Right, so but look at be. the weapons he has. He does have a Tyreek Hill and a Travis Kelsey Russell one. Wilson has nobody. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett He's are really good. <laughs> not Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey good. I, un- I I understand, but let's not also act like Russell Wilson is putting up Patrick Mahomes' oh, no. numbers either. Like I I, I think well, it he is- doesn't have as many weapons. Okay. <laughs> We, we can all watch them on Sundays and say, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, give me whichever one you don't want, and I'll be happy with my choice, right? But at the same time, to, to suggest that Aaron Donald and Russell Wilson are better players than Patrick Mahomes right now, now, nobody would agree with that. And so, listen, I shouldn't be getting upset over this list because it's it's silly every year. I mean, you had— uh, You're literally—I can almost see a tear right now. Almost. Larry Fitzgerald, who is, I think, 57 years old and is not even the best wide receiver on his own team, came in at number 69 on this list. Well, he was the best wide receiver on his team. It's a good number. Until DeAndre Hopkins comes around. Even then. Who invited you? (laughs) Well, he was traded for a whole big package. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Best running back in the league. Golf tees. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service tax line from the three one four. What's absurd on this list is that pa- Mitchell Trubisky didn't even make it. All right, <laughs> that, Ronge. That was Ronge. Risky yeah. Trubisky. Ronge is listening. That's good. He's up before twelve thirty. That's positive. We need Ronge to go ahead. <laughs> you know, time today. Put away the Mississippi moonshine. Lamar Jackson though is one guy that I wanted to hone in, hone in on here mm-hmm. because he's at number one, and I can understand the rationalization behind it. He was amazing last year. He was a legitimate league MVP. He 
deserved that award because over the course of the 16 games, he was the best player in the league and there was no close second, in my opinion. That being said, we got this from the text line as well from the 314 Lamar Jackson 0-2 in the playoffs. Enough said there is one more thing on his resume that he absolutely needs. He needs playoff success. Mm -hmm. He's been in two playoff games now and has struggled mightily in both of them. Now, there's one thing that might be able to help him with that, Jamie Rivers, and it is more weapons on the outside. Lamar Jackson is not being shy about the fact that he would like to add one in particular, and that guy's name is none other than Antonio Brown. Alex Ferrario, if you want to play that audio for Antonio me. Brown. <laughs> Lamar Jackson talking about how he needs a guy like Antonio Brown. Here he is. In just a second, we will get That's the type of guy we need in, in our locker room, and I feel like the, the locker room here is different from any other locker room. Like, it's a brotherhood going on is none of that outside noise. You know, it's strictly inside. Like we, we worry about each other. We worry about what we have going on. We want to win, and I can tell in, in him he want to win. I don't think that's the type of guy you want on your team. But I get from Lamar Jackson's perspective, if he's saying to himself, our biggest weakness right now is we don't have enough weapons on the yeah. outside. A.B. certainly brings the talent to that locker room. So here's here's where it goes, right? The owners, we get on them all the time because, well, look, they saw our Belichick in New England. They signed Antonio Brown. Yes, they released him upon certain events that happened after, allegedly, anyways, whatever. I don't even care anymore. The bottom line is... When you're a guy like Lamar Jackson, you don't think he sees or hears what we're talking about? 0-2 in the playoffs, hasn't been able to do the thing. And he's looking at his lineup, and he's like, what do you want me to do with this? I maximized this thing out last year, and I got nowhere else to go. Oh, wait a minute. There's a potential Hall of Fame wide receiver who's just sitting at home right now sending crazy videos (laughs) on social media. But I know this guy can catch a ball. I know this guy runs incredible routes. I know this guy can improve not just the team, but my stats too individually. This is where players start to get a little selfish. And they're willing to sacrifice what might be a bad idea to bring Antonio Brown into your team. It might be. You never know. It might be okay. But he's willing to do it because he wants to get across that bridge. He wants to become Patrick Mahomes where he's got a Super Bowl ring. Not just a great QB, but he's able to win the big games. And obviously Lamar feels like Antonio Brown could help him him get there. And the guy that was their number two wide receiver a year ago was Willie Sneed. He had 340 receiving yards as their number two receiver when Lamar Jackson was their starting quarterback. If I'm Lamar, I'm looking out of my options like you said, Jamie, and I'm saying to myself, it's very clear what our weakness is. I I like Hollywood Brown. I like Mark Andrews as the number one tight end. I love their running game between what you get from Lamar and Mark Ingram, and now they've just added J.K. Dobbins to the mix, a rookie running back out of Ohio State. I love what they have in those options, but he's looking out there. He's saying, who's my number two receiver? The guy doesn't exist right now. It's Willie Sneed, who has been the number 12 receiver on the Saints for God knows how long. That guy can't be my number two option out there on the outside. So he's looking at Antonio Brown, working out with him right now. He's Hollywood Brown's cousin. So they have a familial text line said AB's cousin plays for the Ravens, which. Let's be honest, that could be a great thing or or it could be an awful thing. Yeah. Having him there 
you don't know who's going to be able to rub off Hollywood on Brown. Who. Seems like a good kid, um, but he's only been in the league for one year. He's a 22-year-old receiver so out of Oklahoma. he could be very influenced by right. a, oh, I don't know, more prominent and older cousin. Yeah, and you don't know if that's what you want on your in your locker room or not. If I am the Ravens as a front office, I don't want that. I wonder what Harbaugh thinks of this. He seems like he's pretty, like straight, you know, yeah. like he doesn't want to, he's not the experimental type coach on, you know, recap, reclaiming projects. I also, in a season like this, wouldn't want to bring in something else that could throw things off the rails. If you're the Ravens, you're going into the year oh, as yeah. one of the favorites. AB might be a problem with all this stuff. So you just, you don't, you don't know what to expect from that perspective with Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into the Cardinals circle of trust. Six, five, seven, eight, zero is the air comfort service text line. Of all of the Cardinals right now, who do you trust? Who do you go into every game and say, I can trust that guy to come through for me? How many players are on that list for you? We'll give you our list. We want to hear from you at 65780. The Cardinal Circle of Trust is coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. And Edmund lifts it in the air to center. Well hit at the wall. It is gone. It's gone. Off the glove of Buxton, and it carries over the wall. And Tommy Edmond says, thank you very much. Welcome to the Circle of Trust, Tommy Edmond. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's do the Cardinal Circle of Trust. Who would be in that category for you, Jamie, as of right now, how many players would you trust whenever they're up in a big spot or they're about to go up to the mound? You got to get an out. Who are the Cardinals today that you feel like you can trust? For me, Tommy Edmond is an obvious candidate that should be in that discussion already. I trust him implicitly. Yeah, I got Tommy Edmond as well. I No doubt at all. Ferrario, you agree with Tommy yep, Edmond? Tommy Edmond's in mind. Tommy Edmond is in the circle of trust. Let's keep going on this because I don't think it's going to take us too long to get to how many other guys we have on that list. Yep. Paul Goldschmidt, do we all agree that he's a consensus pick to be in the circle of trust? I trust Goldie. I got him. Hell no. I'm just joking, guys. I'm just trying <laughs> to see BK look up really BK fast. just about giving himself whiplash. I know. I'm trying there. to see if I give whip, BK whiplash. I was like, are you going once again to the Ravello route and see, saying that he you're, should start over Goldie? Damn right. I'm sticking with Ravello. <laughs> no, Goldie's in my circle of trust. Yeah. The next one that I have that is an obvious candidate is Jack Flaherty. We all trust Jack Flaherty, right? Yes, sir. Yep. I got him. Okay, I got him. Jack Flaherty, welcome to the circle of trust. Now it gets a little more difficult. I'm going to have Paul DeYoung in my circle of trust. As of today, I think defensively, offensively, whatever you need from him, I've got, uh, despite the fact he's been scuffling a little bit the last couple of games, Paul DeYoung to me should be in the circle of trust. Yeah, I put question marks next to him. And I just don't know if the consistency is there to allow him in my circle of trust. I know he's had, you know, a couple of dingers this year and he had a great start to last season. But the back half of last season tells a story to me, and I have him on here. I've written him down, but I have question marks. So if you guys both agree that he should be in the circle of trust, I'm willing to bring him in on a trial basis. You just have to be convinced a little bit. What do you think, Ferrario? You're the the tiebreaker Yeah, I don't have a question mark. Paul DeYoung's in it. Even if a guy may not be as consistent um, as you would like at the plate, he's very consistent defensively for you. He's smart on the base paths. And at the plate, 
Yeah, he can strike out, but nine times out of ten, he's making contact for you. And on your team, he's one of the few guys that you can trust at the plate. So he's on there without any All question right. marks. It is officially getting difficult. I'll add to him. continue here. I'll add. I him. still have a few more. I have okay. a couple that I think are no brainers. So here's one after last night. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line. They say after last night, Ryan Helsley is absolutely on the trust list. I agree. He is on my circle of trust. He was on my list before I read the text. So I had Helsley as well. He was on mine also, especially when you look at the heat that he has been providing and the jams that he's gotten out of. He reminds me a lot of Gallegos last year. How about another guy that kind of fits into that same category? Cody Whitley. I think I would have Cody Whitley in my circle of trust at this point. I do not. I do not. And the reason I don't have him in there is (laughs) the body of work. The body of work isn't big enough yet. We just let anybody in this circle of trust, BK. Yeah. This thing could explode, okay? This is like a bubble, okay, <laughs> for us. And if you let something bad in the bubble, it contaminates the bubble. We've talked about that for four months now, yeah, okay? As, as so, Robert De Niro once said, you infiltrate the bubble, Greg, you're out of the bubble. And there's no right. getting back into the bubble. So I, to me, Cody Whitley gone. He's Cody not in Whitley the bubble. Is to be determined. I don't think there's enough to grade yeah. there yet. I, I need a see. I need a full season of Cody Whitley before he can go into my circle of trust. Yeah, that's the end of my circle of trust. Okay, who wow. do you guys have? That I you, have. Uh, I'm willing to be convinced of others. I have others that have question marks next to them, and I'm willing to be convinced of them. Jamie, who else is on your list that I did not mention yet? No brainer, Yadi Molina. He's a no-brainer for me. I know that his bat and this and that, and all, but I don't care. Look what he does to manage a game. You'd be hard-pressed to find a catcher anywhere in baseball that's able to manage a game the way Yachty does I agree. and have that impact on the locker room. If anybody's going to keep this team motivated and focused and looking to get better, Yachty's that guy. If you pull Yachty out of that clubhouse, who knows what the heck happens? Not just managing the game. You go find me another catcher who can take care of a young, um, inexperienced bullpen like Yadier Molina can do. I mean, look at what that bullpen did last night, guys. They've done all year so What well, they've done all year, yes. But last night, I mean, you get three and two-third from Ponce de Leon, and the bullpen locks it down. That's all. I mean, it's not all Yachty, but 90% of that is Yachty being able to manage a Cody Whitley and a Ryan Helsley and a Tyler Webb being able to control that strike zone. So that Yachty all the way, even if that bat's not up there, I'm not expecting him to be a 3-4 hitter. I, I will put him on my list. I did not have him in my circle of trust because of the bat right now and the way that he looks at yeah, the plate. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you don't trust him, right? I trust him behind the plate. Yeah. I don't trust him at the plate. Sometimes, he's clutch. It, it, not every guy is going to be. This year so not far. this year, but he has hasn't a lot of runners in scoring position either. But you have one through nine in your batting order, right? Not everybody's a number one, number two, number three batter. He's a perfect six through eight guy. I think he's an eight, maybe nine at times, depending on how he's going. But to me, he's definitely. But look at his numbers with runners in scoring position last season for the team. He was one of the better hitters with runners in scoring position. Yeah, I just right now I don't trust him when a runner's on first because I feel like every time I, I'm I'm waiting for the double play. Ball. Put a runner on first. Yeah, well, we gotta I, get one have there we first. Seen that yet? <laughs> yeah, we've we've seen Carpenter already. Two, uh, he's grounded in a two double play. Yeah. So well, that's Carpenter. So Yachty's on there. I'm gonna keep Yachty. going oh. here. I'm gonna keep going. Okay. I I have Wayno. In there. Oh, I do not. Ooh, I do not have yeah, Wayne. I definitely I have Wayne don't have Wayne. Now, guys, I'm thinking outside the box here. Okay. I'm not talking about giving him the ball on the mound and he's going to dazzle us with his performance. You said circle of trust. You didn't say circle of performance. Okay. So, circle of trust for me is a guy that's another leader. Much like Yachty, I think Wayne brings a ton to this ball club. I'm and voting fact, no on this. Th- th- just shift for a second. <laughs> 
And the fact that we only have a handful of guys tells me that there's going to need a lot of counseling in that clubhouse. And Adam Wainwright is that guy. So for me... I put Wayno in there for leadership reasons in the circle of trust. Because if you're going to have a circle of trust, you got to have trust. Who creates it? The old veteran. That's what Yachty's in there for. Ferrario. Need them both. Are you going yes or no on Wayno? Going no with Wayno. Oh, I mean, you guys are I mean, look, yeah, if we're playing 60 games at home, I'm trusting Wayno. Or if I only need him to give me, you know, five innings every fifth day, I'm trusting him. But I'm, if Flaherty is in our trust and that's the level... It's hard to put anybody else in that level. Oh. Do you have anybody else on your list, Jamie? Yeah, I actually... Um, Can you stop stealing the, them all? In no. the circle of trust. I had Gant in there. Okay. I trust Gant. I think that his performances have led me to believe that this I, guy can be a big help. I had a question mark on a few different relievers. Gant, Gomber, Ponce, I guess he's technically a starter at this point, and Gallegos. I had a question mark next to all four because I think I want to see one more solid performance out of all of them before I officially put them into the circle of trust, but I could be talked into it, especially with John Gant. When he's in the game, I do feel good about it, um, and I feel that way about Gomber and Gallegos as well in particular, but I think I want to see at least one or two more appearances from there. I, I am willing to be shifted on this, though. Ferrario, would you go with John Gant in your circle of trust? I wouldn't. I, oh, I would Jesus kind of have. Ferrario. I would have him on the border here, guys. You guys are making this like circle of trust, like this easy thing to get it's into not. here. But Gant, yeah, three fourths of the season last year, he was phenomenal. He were confident, but when you needed him most, what happened? He fell apart for you. So did all the damn bats. Well, that's true. But he <laughs> but he fell apart so bad that you couldn't even put him on your postseason roster. But let, let's look at this year so far. What do you see? He looks good. He's been good. He's been solid. All right. I'll put him in. What do you guys feel about Gomber and Gallegos? Not not enough yet? No, not, nah, got, not enough not for Gomber, there. especially for how much he I, I have Gallegos I mean, on I my list. Even you be, do? Yeah. I don't even know if I get drunk enough to add those guys yet. Should we wait one more appearance before we put in Gallegos? Uh, uh, I'm yeah. going off of track okay. record, though, more than anything. I need time on okay, him. Well. We just need more time. I got. I have two that you guys didn't mention. Okay. Colton Wong. I had him on here, too, and I put in parenthesis, defense only. I know. Same here, <laughs> I man. I trust his, his defense Yeah, but right, and his but, accessories. But that bat is known to turn on, and when it gets turned on, it's hard to turn off. But his, oh, his still talking about baseball here? Well, it's hard to turn that off, too. All right. His defense outdoes his offense. Like, he, he wins you games from his defense alone. His, his bat just has, has been not good this year. Like, real bad. But when um, he's not in the lineup, aren't you a little nervous not having him? At the plate? No, just in general. <laughs> just in general. At the plate? <laughs> no. I, I think we're Wait looking at this. Anybody at the plate. I think we're looking at this, too, as the leadoff hitter, Colton Wong. Colton Wong in the 7, 8, 9 oh, he hitter. start leading off soon. It'd be nice. God, you guys are just. I love Colton Wong. He's like one of my favorite players on the roster. I, I would not have him in my circle of trust right now. He hasn't earned it yet this year. Yeah. I love Colton Wong. He has not earned it yet this year. I have Hudson on here, too. Oh, no, Ooh, not for me. Oh, you saw no. one start from him where he gave up. The walks really concerned me, man. Yeah, but he also got out of those jams. I know, but he led baseball in in walks last year. I, <laughs> it's, I'm it's still I'm one, putting him on there. One start issue for him. I'm putting him on there. I had the, like I said, I had my sub list, and on that sub list was Wong defense only, Bader defense only. You uh, put Bader, Tyler no, 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 O'Neal. defense only. Oh, I had Tyler O'Neill in here. I'm I had a second I actually. I didn't have Tyler. O'Neal I trust online. that guy right now. 
I think so I do hit a too. Home run, maybe. No, I don't even care. When I'm looking at him up there, he's actually given us tough at bats. Like the pitchers are having to work on this guy. It's not like just throw the pitch. He swings at everything and he's gone. He's actually, I think he's doing a good job. I think I'm with you. I think I think Tyler O'Neill deserves to be in the circle of trust. And look at his speed last night. He hit that crappy ball to shortstop. Could have been, should have been turned into a double play, but he got on his horse, man, and he legged it out. And he, yeah, he sacrificed Goldie ahead of him, but he stayed on base. Hey, I will not be peer pressured to put somebody in my circle of trust. Well, you, well, you, you just were. You got outvoted, so he's in. Oh, wow. There you go. I like this democracy. I have no choice but to put you right back outside the circle. And once you're out, you're out. There's no... So our circle of trust thus far in the Cardinals season, Goldie, DeYoung, Edmund, Flaherty, Helsley, Yachty, Tyler O'Neill. We've got seven guys so far that are in the Cardinals circle of trust. You didn't put Gant in there? I did not put Gant in there. We both decided no. Why does your list matter? We both decided no. No, he didn't. He said he loved Gant. He said he loves Gant. Go back. Check the audio. I'll do that later. (laughs) With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. So what happened to the Blues last night, and how long is it going to take for them to get back to their game? We're going to ask Joey Vitale, the Blues analyst, when he joins us coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blue Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by our friend Joey Vitale. He's the Blues analyst for 101 ESPN. It was great to hear him on the call once again last night for Blues versus Blackhawks in that exhibition game. Joey, how you doing, man? BK, buddy, doing great. It's great talking to you guys, as always. Well, we are happy to have you. Uh, we wish that we could talk a little bit more about a, uh, a positive Blues performance, but I want to get your uh, impression early on of what you saw last night. What was your biggest takeaway from the Blues exhibition opener? You know, my biggest takeaway, I think the most important thing, and this is something that Craig Berube discussed with me yesterday morning, was that, he wanted to see one thing and one thing in particular, which we saw last night, which was injury-free. That's the biggest thing. You don't want to go into a game. We saw Carl Gunnarsson stumble off. We saw Sammy Blay at one point kind of limp off after blocking some shots. They both, of course, returned, which is all great news. But you don't want to see a player get in a shot lane and take one off the ankle. You don't want to see someone get tied up in front and blow out an MCL. I mean, those kind of things would really disturb any Blues fan. And, of course, last night, it looks like the Blues did just that. They stayed healthy. They were fine. Everyone was intact, 20 players at the end of the night. And that's all you really can ask for from an exhibition like that, game that guys have not skated, have not been together for four straight months. I cannot imagine what they were going through. So to get that one in and over with was important. Yeah, Joey, it kind of feels like when I go like six months and then try to go skate with the alumni early in the mornings, I'm like sucking wind out there. So I can imagine how these guys felt. But uh, listen, when the Blues are successful, okay, they play a very connected game. And in order to be connected, they're right in the right lanes at all the time. And there's no gaps. There's no holes in the defensive structure, no matter what zone you're in. And what I saw last night was a team that wasn't quite in game shape. 
And what I mean by that, and you know what I'm talking about there, first guy would be in the right position, second, third guy couldn't quite get there on time or they weren't reacting quick enough. To me, they look like they just need a little more time to get into that game shape, specifically to play the Blues brand of hockey. Well, I think you're right, Gene. I mean, that's something that Craig Ruby did when he took over. That's something that really stood out to me, uh, even to this day, about what he changed the most. System-wise, from Mike Gill to Craig Berube, nothing really changed all that much. But one thing that did change was layers upon layers of aggressiveness, and that's what you're talking about. It's not just one guy going. It's one guy going hard, and then the second guy, that second onion layer right behind, he's anticipating and he's ready to jump as well. And then there's a third guy. He may not jump into the scrum, but he's right there on that next layer for the two-on-one battle to hopefully be won by the Blues, and then he's the breakout guy. He's your outlet guy. So you're right. It's that pressure upon pressure aggressiveness that has made this team so successful. Now that requires a lot of things. It requires conditioning. You got to be in game shape. You got to find the, the, the flow. You got to get into a rhythm. Um, little things, uh, Jamie, and, and you, you can know better this than anyone. I saw Scandella last night, Marco Scandella. He gets beat by Patrick Kane on the wall and he just got beat for one reason. His gaps weren't good. It's a small thing, and that's, that's a timing thing. That, that comes with playing more games because as a defenseman, you want to get up when the other team has it in the zone. You want to get up enough where you want to close the gap, but you don't want to get up too far where he's going to blow past you. Of course, on that one play in particular, Marco Scandell, he gets up a little bit too far thinking he wants to close the gap on a great hockey player, and then you see Kane go around him. At that point, Chicago Blackhawks probably had their best pressure of the entire game. It's been about a minute and a half in the blue zone at that point, all because of one little bit of of a a sloppy um, gap control. But again, it's just because these players have not played very much. The more they practice, the more they play, these round-robin games are going to be important. Uh, They're going to work out those kinks, and they're going to be just fine. Yeah, Joey, you couldn't be more right about the gaps. And this is what I try to tell young defensemen all the time, even pro defensemen that we work with, is, yes, it's twice as hard to get up and close the gap properly. Anybody can just skate at a guy and then get beat. But to get up and close the gap properly, it takes twice as much work. But then the reward to that is it's a lot easier to defend with a good gap, leaving less time and space to the offensive guy. And so time and space is what I wanted to bring up next with you is in the defensive zone. And like you talked about, the layers of defense, we always see one, two, three guys that you have to get through, maybe even a fourth guy who collapses in the Blues defensive zone, and certainly the goaltender that's involved too. Last night, we didn't see that. We saw, you know, the the, the first player in the D1 or the F1 pressuring the puck, and then that second layer was just a second late. The middle of the ice was just a little too wide open. Is this something that Craig Berube's really going to button down on over the next couple of days? You know, I think that if I were Craig Berube, I wouldn't show a lot of clips of last night's game for <laughs> yeah. obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But you know, but you know what I would show, Jamie, and you know this. I would show I would show what it looks like when it's at its best. Let's go back to some games we played in March, and I'm sure they've already done just that. They were playing they were playing some humming blues hockey before this pause. I would I would grab those because for players they love that positive reinforcement. What does it look like? This is what it looks like right here, boys. And bam, hit the play button, and you're going to see those layers. Okay, I wouldn't I wouldn't dissect the game too much last night. And, and again, these guys have been off for four months. They're in this bubble. And guys, they don't play a serious game for another like 
I think, like 12 days. So they've already been in this bubble for three days. They play an exhibition game with no one in the building, and they don't have they have another like two weeks before they even play the first game of the first round. I can't imagine what's going through their head. At the end of the game, it was absolutely hilarious. They kind of scanned the Blues bench. I don't know what kind of feed you guys are watching, but they scanned the Blues bench, and Braden Shen's face pretty much just said it all. He was His mouth guard was hanging outside. His his strap was already undone. I think it was like 30 seconds ago. He looked like he was staring up in La La Land. He kind of looked like how I remember my, my freshman year in high school. This is, this is what I can remember. Homecoming. Everyone's like, you got to go to homecoming. It's the cool thing to do in high school. I'm a freshman. I'm like, All right. So I, I, I rounded up a girl. Jen Reinhold. I still remember her name. Jen Reinhold. I think she went to Incarnate or something like that. Poor girl. But what we did was, you know, the tradition for dances is you go to like a, a, a dinner or, a, you know, some sort of restaurant, Panera. We went to Applebee's right across from the old CBC off Clayton Road. And I remember the <laughs> Great appetizers. Got, yeah. Well, that's what they got. They got so I was the first one to order. I was the first one to order, and I got this double-stacked cheeseburger with bacon and, like, barbecue sauce because I'm an animal. I didn't know what I was doing. I've never talked to a girl in my entire life. And then everyone else orders, like, a salad and, like, chicken bites or shrimp chuckers or whatever the hell they were called. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm sitting there like, oh, crap, did I just screw up? And sure enough, the food comes, and I am slopping down this burger, and everyone is just staring at me. My point is I wanted to get the hell out of there as quickly as possible, and I think Braden Shen had the same look last night. We're talking with Joey Vitale, who explains things the only way that he can. He's a blues analyst for 101 ESPN, joining us here on Ribs and BK. Joey, I did want to ask you about everything that we've been talking about in terms of what they need to get fixed. Do you believe this is something that can be fixed over the next, like you said, 12 days? Or is this going to take longer than that for them to get back on track? You know, I'm definitely going to say one thing. It's not, it's not something that you can flip the switch overnight. It's not something that they can do this for the next three round robin games. And then let's say, you know, 12 days from now, whatever it is, the night before game one of the first round, it's going to be like, all right, guys, let's go. And, and then they turn it on. It, it's not like that. There was an old coach, Dave Tippett. He'd always use the expression, you can't hide a cavity. And what he meant by that was this. You have to brush your teeth twice a day, every day, because if you know in six months – you have a dentist appointment. He's going to check you for cavities, make sure you're doing a good job. You got to be doing it every single day. And if you, if you don't do that, and let's say three days before your dentist appointment comes six months later, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I got a dentist appointment three days. I want to make sure I get a good report. I start scrubbing my teeth. Well, it doesn't work that way. And hockey's, and hockey's no different. And it's a great term, and it's a great analogy for what the Blues need to do. It's going to be a process. It's going to be step-by-step. Step. It's going to be every single day. I think starting with practice today, you're leading into Colorado on Sunday. I think little by little, they got to start finding what their game looks like. It doesn't need to be there for Colorado, but it needs to be there on level two. And then maybe not so much for Dallas, but it should rank, ratchet up to level four. And then by Vegas or whatever, however they play each other, the day first round, you want to be almost humming at 100%. So it's got to be a process. It's got to start somewhere. It's got to start with the physicality. It's got to start with the skating. It's got to start with all those things. But again, with that being said, there should be zero panic for Blues fans. There is certainly zero panic for these players. I don't think the coaches are looking all too into this. This was a game they just had to play. They had to get it the heck out of the way. And now that it's done, they can move forward, get a little bit rest for the next few days, and head into these round-robin games, which are going to be a bit more exciting. They're not going to be like the playing series, which we're going to see at the same time, but they're going to be close. Joey, final quickie for me. When 
these fans are when the when the listeners, the fans are watching the game on Sunday. What is one thing in particular that they should be looking for that will indicate that they they are on on track to being able to fix some of these things? What's what's one maybe small thing that they should be looking for as they're watching the game on Sunday to indicate that? Yeah, we got to be careful how you use the word quickie there, uh, BK. But what I will say is this um, on Sunday. What I would like to see more of is, is that physicality because that, that shows me one thing. It shows them that they're skating. You know, there wasn't a lot of hits last night. Sammy Blay was throwing his body around a little bit, but we didn't see that Blues brand of hockey where they were just physical, hit, hit, hit. Now, you don't need to go running guys through the boards, but when you hit someone and you're physically there when the defenseman has the puck, for example, that says one thing. You're moving your feet. If you're not hitting, you're not skating. It's an old term in hockey, and there's a lot of truth to it. If you're getting your hits, it means you're moving your feet. So I would like to see the hit chart double, if not triple, by Sunday. I think that would be a great sign. Not only that the Blues are engaged physically, but they're on their, on their toes, on those blades uh, that we all learn in Synergy Hockey School here in St. Louis. And, uh, and they're moving their feet. He's Joey Vitale. You will hear him on Sunday for the call. Blues versus Avalanche. Pre-game starts at 430. He's the Blues analyst for 101 ESPN, and we are thrilled to be able to listen to him once again on the call. Joey, we always appreciate the time, man. We look forward to talking with you again next week. Hey, that's why I'm the best, BK. Great talking to you, fellas. <laughs> you are the best. That is Joey Vitale joining us on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It is Ribs and BK. Let's dive into the junk drawer coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, Jamie, when I say the name Killing Kittens... What comes to mind? For real? Yeah. Killing kittens. Yep. I get a very disturbing image in my mind. One that I don't think anybody should have. Ferrario, what about for you? Probably some terrible rapper's name. Okay. How you about know, like a rock band, maybe? Like Skinny Puppy used like to a, be. Like, like a emo yell type of band? No. Screamo band? Screamo band? No. Death metal? No, not that. No, not that? Oh, okay. You're thinking country band. That's right. <laughs> Definitely folk. not yeah. that. Folk, folk How about instead it is a um, an organization, a company, that organizes women-led adult parties in London and New York? Huh? In, indeed. Yeah, this is a sex party group. Oh, killing. They used the wrong word for cats. Mm, well, killing kittens. They didn't want to go I'm starting too to far. see this. Well, they are in the news right now because <sighs> the they, they are. Well, that's, no, that's once sorry. they get together. They get together, then they're on that. Pronunciation, very important You've in radio. Me now. Yeah, I'm out. They have secured the investment from the UK government future fund of $225,000. Hmm. The UK is putting together these funds to help companies make it through the pandemic. And they decided that this company, Killing Kittens, is worthy of this. Let me tell you a little bit about this company, shall I? Please do. They were founded in 2005. It is a members-only organization. They throw masked parties in exclusive venues where they focus on, quote, the pursuit of female pleasure. It now has 180,000 members in 12 countries and recorded a 330% increase in traffic during the coronavirus lockdown. Is it women only? 
It appears to be so. I just wanted to know. A friend was wondering. Is Carol Baskin a part of this group? It is a women-led adult parties. <laughs> I don't know if that means it's exclusively women or if it is a women-organized group. I'm not sure. I'll have to just, do more investigating. I'm not sure if I can do that on this company. Yeah, I was going to say, be careful doing the investigating. Yeah. That, uh, you know what? I get it. I love that the UK government is getting involved. I get it. I mean, like, right. How many times do you hear the phrase, you know, happy wife, happy life? Well, guess what? Uh, If you've got happy employees during these tough times, and if it's women-led companies or departments, uh, happy, you you get what I'm saying here, right? Happy kittens mean you're a kitten. Yeah, no, that one didn't no, work. I think I think that this could be almost even right off as therapy, you know, <laughs> like making sure that you're you're seeking therapy. So, yeah, I'm good with it. I'm all in. The company CEO has since released a statement. Emma Sale is the company CEO. She uh, says, quote, I never envisioned Boris as a sleeping partner. Of course, referring to the UK Prime Minister, Boris Johnston. Johnson. So Johnson. she uh, well, Boris is loud in. Uh, he is the head of the UK. He's the prime minister. So he uh, he's the one that's given them the $225,000. So yeah, I would Boris, imagine if you Boris. wanted to. So Boris had COVID too. Boris gets the pass because his name's Boris. Good point. All right, guys. So we talked about something here in one of our breaks. I can't remember what break. Anyways, top of, top of the show. And we talked about Joe Kelly. And we talked about uh, maybe, maybe not throwing at someone's head. Right? So... What would you guys think if you were hit? Well, honestly, you're standing in the batting box, okay? And you're just nailed by an 86-mile-an-hour pitch. Now, it's not a headshot, okay? It's not 95-plus. It's 86 miles an hour, but you're standing in there, and you get hit by the pitch. Where at? How, how much would that hurt? Where does it hit me? How much would it hurt first? Answer the question! Do you think that would hurt? On a scale of 1 to 10, I'll put it at a okay. yes. I'm going to be on the injured list for the rest of the year. I'm what happens? What would you say if I told you that that pitch hit you directly in the ding-dong? No, oh. oh, that wouldn't hurt. Remember Yadier Molina's injury oh. a couple of years ago? Yeah, the, the ricochet there off the... Uh, I had to stop watching baseball for a week after that he one. He came back in like a month. I was like, yeah. That well, hurt me just from the television. A friend of ours, Tommy Pham. Standing in the batter's box. No way. And uh, yeah, 86 mile an hour pitch right in the ding dong zone. Does the, does the cup even protect that? Well, they were wondering if he even had a cup on. Um, yeah, a lot of guys don't wear them. A lot of guys don't wear them. And yeah, a couple other people, the Giants reliever said oh. uh, Sam Coonrod. Of course, that's his goes, name. I threw a slider and it went too far and hit him right in the man junk. And oh. so guys felt bad and a couple of guys talked about how they would have been doing snow angels in the middle of the batter's box. Did after. you see Tommy Pham's response? Mm-hmm. Have you se- have you seen it? He got up and kind of shrugged it off and then uh, the uh, manager took him out for precautionary reasons. Well, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, even with a cup on, I can tell you, even with a cup on, I've been hit right in that package area too, wearing a cup with like a slap shot. Let me tell you something. When it rings the bell, everything mm-hmm. rings inside. I, I w- used to wear them when I was in karate, when I was in grade school. And one kick to that doesn't even matter that it's protected. It's just the initial reaction of being kicked in that area. It still hurts. Yeah, Bring I mean, it's sweat. Immediate yeah. sweat. Oh, yeah. Not fun. Always have to go to the bathroom, too, afterwards. Yeah, and that's always a... Oh, that's that the first worst. one? Yeah. <laughs> that's where you get the snooses from. Yes. So, Tommy Fan. 
Thoughts and prayers with you, buddy. So, Jamie, do you enjoy a good day at the zoo? Always. I love the zoo. Big fan. St. Louis has a great zoo. Free zoo. The best zoo. Is it still free? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just wondering, because I'd be charging for that thing. It's so damn good, I'd charge for it. Keep your mouth shut about that zoo. That zoo is free. You know me, I'm always business, right? Business, business, business. Yeah, it's it's one of the things that I enjoy the most is that it is free. So uh, let's keep that going if (laughs) we could, St. Louis. We certainly appreciate that. Well, zoos are a little different over in the U.K., um, I've got two stories today that are based in the UK. Who would have known? Uh, Where they, the heck were you going last the, night? <laughs> I was Googling. Yeah. <laughs> At the British Safari Park, they've got some bam, um, bam, baboons that are a little little rowdy mm. right now. Yeah, they do. They, they get that way. They have been armed with knives and chainsaws recently. Oh, and they have wait. been attacking the cars that are in the area. Wait, wait. Th- stop. <laughs> stop everything. This is a zoo? The baboons have recently been seen carrying an assortment of weapons, including blades, screwdrivers, and a chainsaw, leading some workers to suspect that visitors may have supplied them with the dangerous items for a thrill. Remember that, convers- Remember that conversation yesterday about uh, buying property on the moon? Yeah. We might want to jump on that right now. Okay, I'm just baffled here right now. First of all, you're babooned. Who the hell works at this zoo? You're supposed to have people who are in charge of every department, yeah. and you're supposed to be, oh, I don't know, checking on your baboons a couple times a day. Meanwhile, they're over in the corner making prison shanks. I ask this in all sincerity. I love this. How do you de-escalate this situation? You don't. Like, if you are the employee and you see one of the baboons, I'm. Let's say it's me, Ferrario, and Jamie, and we're the we're the employees of this zoo, right? And I look over at Ferrario, and my my initial reaction is, "Hey, Ferrario, Willie's got the chainsaw again." Willie, <laughs> well, have you seen him? Yeah, that's that true. Appropriate Makes sense. <laughs> How do you get? How do you disarm that Let, man? Let's let's reenact this. What BK just said. Hey, Willie's got the chainsaw, Ferrario. I'm quitting. I'm, done. Yeah, I'm out. No, here's I'm what I'm doing. Third time this week, yeah. Willie. If you get that, don't touch that screwdriver. How did it go don't from touch a it. screwdriver to a shank to a chainsaw? Here's what, uh, guys. I have an easy solution to this. Easy solution. Be careful. Pete is listening. Once a month. I know it's mandatory. They have to take urine samples from all of these baboons. Okay. Is that mandatory? Is that mandatory. It's a tr- yeah, absolutely. Because at monkeys and baboons and all that, they can actually have sexually transmitted diseases and things like that. I know. I'm a plethora of useless Have you Googled knowledge. this, Ribs? No, no. And so what we do, Alex, what we do, you and I, okay. is you have males and females, right? Yeah. Okay. So I would assume that these are probably males that are into the mischievous thing. I'm just assuming. I'm going to give us all a bad name. We're the it's we're that guy. sexist, but that's all right. And we're gonna throw female urine on BK, and we're gonna tell him to uh, yeah. run in the opposite direction. Genius. And then as soon as they abandon the, the weapons, weapons, yep. and they and, and look, BK, I picked you for obvious reasons. You're the best runner. Yeah, that's okay. True. Okay, that's fair. you're that's the what, best runner. Has nothing to do with anything else. Yeah, okay, I'm sure. It's just because you're Different the best runner. Man for himself. And then Alex and I, we swoop in, and first thing I do, I grab the chainsaw and I turn that sucker on. You know what I do? We're walking out of there back to back, <laughs> okay? This thing a little bit. You know what I do? Meanwhile, BK still running. I give chainsaw screwdrivers and shanks to the gorillas. Send them in. Oh, I don't think they need those. Battle Royale. Just send in the silver back. 
just came in and just bong. Yeah, that's true. I just don't think grab we it from them. We're trying to not get anybody hurt. Yeah, you guys Maybe BK. not going to get them hurt. The okay? this, this is not a good idea. <laughs> Maybe BK. But we don't Maybe want anybody. BK. We don't want any of the bad. Yeah, we're, not, we're not wanting anybody hurt. We'll just throw urine on BK and tell him to run. That's Another good. great quote from that's an good. employee at the zoo said, quote, they will literally go into people's toolboxes and carry them around. One of the baboons was seen slugging around a chainsaw. You know what that reminds me of? It's amazing. Jumanji. Yes. The original one with Robin Williams yes. when they're like in the car driving it. Oof. Not a I big just, monkey fan. I can't imagine being one of the, the, the visitors at this zoo and being like, is that... Dad, dad, does does that monkey have? What is that? Mommy, why does that monkey uh, have? Son, a we chainsaw? need to get out of when here. When did they teach you to turn cold. on a chainsaw? Mommy, that monkey's making a shank. It's amazing. It's amazing. The last note. Last note. Three, one, four. Swooping in at the deadline. Men are allowed in killing kittens. They just googled it. Oh, good. Good to know. I was not Google. allowed to. Uh, not just you, Boris. I was not allowed to check that on our company-issued computer. I'm not sure well, why we'll that was the case. Yeah, I checked phone. it on my phone. We're good, guys. <laughs> With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. So speaking of missing the mark, Joe Kelly, Woo, baseball, you really messed it up this time around. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. The biggest mistake that Rob Manford made back during the Apple Watch situation, Yankees-Red Sox, he didn't come down with the hammer of discipline that altered behavior. This was designed to alter behavior. They're sending the message, look, we're not going to stand by as everybody takes shots at the Astros. So that's baseball's idea, at least, as they suspend Joe Kelly for eight games after he threw behind Bregman and taunted Correa. This would be the equivalent, Jamie, of a 23-game suspension in a typical season. Mm -hmm. It would be one of the longest suspensions in the history of baseball for something that happened on the field. I think it's asinine. It's, It's absolutely ridiculous to suspend him for eight games. Now, should he have thrown at... Bregman's head? No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't throw high hit and outside. Did he hit him? No, but it's the I intent, right? I, yeah, the intent. That's right. I'm buzzing the tower, you donkey. Cheating for a damn World Series? I don't care. Joe Kelly, I got your back, baby. Should he have thrown at his head? My opinion, Did BK's opinion? No, should not have done so. That being said, I do not believe that it was deserving of an eight-game suspension, and I think the mistake that baseball is making here, Jamie, is the same mistake that the NFL made previously under Roger Goodell. They're saying, okay, we we definitely didn't go long enough in the suspensions previously with whatever it was, right? Whatever it may be five, six years ago. So we're going to overcorrect now and we're going to try to make things retroactively correct by suspending somebody too long in the current time. So baseball's version of that is with Joe Kelly. They messed up with the Astros. And so as an overcorrection, we'll suspend Joe Kelly too long to be able to make it known around the league. Hey, this is not going to be acceptable. I think it's the wrong decision. I don't think he should be suspended for eight games, but I think that's the rationale behind this kind of a move by baseball. This is a complete miss. Bottom line. And guess what? It's not going to stop, guys. It wouldn't stop me. Next game against the Astros, I tell you what, I'm I'm buzzing the tower again. I don't care. And, and the, the whole point of this is how many suspensions were given out to players 
for the cheating scandal? Zero. Zero. So where's the pound of flesh? There's none. There's absolutely none, BK. I don't care what you say or how much you don't like a guy thrown out a guy's head. That could be debated. I won't debate it here today. But I'll tell you this. There should have been ramifications for those players that engaged in those activities. Because that's way worse than buzzing the tower on this guy. Yeah. I, compl- I don't think and there's... So- what? I don't think there's anybody that disagrees with that stance. I think everybody would agree I'm something up here, okay? should have happened I'm to the Astros. I'm about to hit full stride. I will give the ball back to you, sir. Bottom Let me finish. Line. Bottom line is that baseball has continuously screwed up in situations to where they don't do the right thing. And this one here is really bad. It's bad because the players, especially the Dodgers, right? Now, I know Joe Kelly wasn't a Dodger, but where was he that year? The, the Red, Red Sox. Sox, right? Did they win the World Series? No. No. The Astros did. So guess what? Anybody or any player that came across that Astros team in important games is going to feel slighted in some shape or form. And so for me, Rob Manfred had a decision to make a long time ago. Yeah, all the head guys, you know, they all got their suspensions and they're this and they're that and no longer working here. But what did the players really suffer Nothing. Mm-hmm. They got to pawn it off on the higher ups. They got to keep their playoff bonuses. They got to keep their World Series ring. They got to keep their name on the World Series trophy and nothing. Or as Rob Manford refers to it, the uh, piece of metal. The piece of metal. Okay. But now guess what? So yeah, payback is a you know what. And it, 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 should Joe Kelly have went for the ear hole on this guy? Ah, you know, I'm, I'm of the... Listen, you don't have to agree with me. Uh, I think that there is some self-policing that needs to be involved in some of these games. I like that he buzzed the tower. I wouldn't have liked him to take the guy's face off, but buzz the tower, I'm okay with. But eight games is way well, too much. And we talked about this off air, and I came in with that aspect too, BK, of like, yeah, you know what, going for the head, that's rough. But the more I think about it, and I mean, Rivers, you make a great point with buzzing the tower. That wasn't a, I'm going for your head. That was a warning shot of, yeah. hey, I'm not going to stand for this BS. Granted, you're throwing at somebody's head. You could ruin somebody's life. I understand all of that. And if you talk to a Ponce de Leon who took a ball on the head, I guarantee he would not be for that. Yeah. But think about old school baseball. And I know it's old school baseball and people will be like, well, it's not the baseball anymore. A Bob Gibson's not going to stand for that. A Chris but he's Carpenter. not going to throw at his head. And that's well, the difference. Well, I think he may have put it right uh, between used, the eyes back I heard, then. I heard Danny Mack talk about it earlier today. And he said specifically he was talks to Bob Gibson about this stuff. And right. he says, put it put it on their hip. Yeah, you put it on their hip. You put it on their arm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right a, in the ribs You're not me. sure. You're not aiming not for somebody's head, head on a, a pound of flesh on a three and no count. But you're still throwing at them you're still hitting them you're still making it known now who knows maybe he wasn't aiming for the head maybe he was just throwing and it got out of hand and he was trying oh, to hit him on. i don't know we, we, we know what the intent was here we, we don't have to beat around the bush he was trying to throw up and he, he was we, we know exactly what he was trying to do here he mm-hmm. should have been suspended he should have been but he yeah. shouldn't have been suspended for eight games i, I would have said a fine at best i would have gave him a game I would and have then said a, a game. repeat offender right away. So if it happens again, now we're throwing you out for like eight to ten because this is a bullpen pitcher. This isn't a starting pitcher who's. That's why you got to you got to do a couple of games here. I, I think well, you two, don't two three games. I get it. Yeah. Eight games is ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd. I, I don't think you should have thrown at the head. I think I've made that clear. The throw at the hip, throw at the ribs. By all means, right? You want to get your vigilante justice. I understand all of that. The the problem that baseball did made here is they gave all of the players immunity so that way MLB would be able to find out exactly what happened yeah. and in the end by giving the players immunity they were baseball was the one that ended up looking 
horrible in the entire situation. So they got what they wanted in terms of information, but now the rest of the league looks at that team, the Astros, and says they were cheaters and none of them had to pay for it. And so any of these suspensions that are now handed out, the first thing people are going to say is, Oh, so the guy that threw at the Astros gets suspended, but none of the players that cheated their way into a World Series did. It's a horrible look for the league, and there is no way to correct it out now because you can't go back and undo what you've already done. No, you can't. And look, this is what I compare it to as we see all the time. And you guys are Italian. You should appreciate this is you got a bunch of people, gangsters, right? They do these awful things and whatnot. You got one guy that they catch. They offer immunity to him as long as he tells the story on everybody else. What we call a rat. A rat, a snitch, whatever, right? So he goes on his merry way, witness relocation program. But what happens when they find him? He dies. But what happens when they find him? Right? Those other guys, guess what? They're like, we didn't get immunity. And you got off with no wax yourself. So guess what? It's time to pay back. (laughs) Yeah. Turn off the wax, guys. Yeah. Whatever. Joe Kelly, you're my man. I want a Joe Kelly jersey as of today. I saw a tweet somebody said, if Joe Kelly knows how to skate at all, I want him on my hockey team. Oh, absolutely. He did give us a great moment. Like his face that he gave to Correa will go down as one of the best moments of this Major League Baseball season. Dusty Baker gave us a great moment, too. (laughs) You know what? I'm I'm his mouthing of get back on the mound. You know what? In the game was phenomenal. But if they had all these, you know, this big old sack on them. Run out and fight the guy on the mound. Well, they did. They didn't. They will. They yeah, the bullpen the guy. No, I know. You know what? Give I, me a break. I get it. You it's got, social distancing, but the, they did. Uh, never mind that. You got the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers fighting yesterday on the ice. The Rangers and the Islanders getting after it. Yeah, I'm not baseball, saying none of baseball listen, players. Alex, not all, if Correa would have just top turned and went right out and they threw a couple of bombs at each other. Yeah, but it's Correa. Probably afraid I know. to. Exactly. All the more reason all to buzz baseball, the tower on them. All baseball players are not Rugnet Aldor from Texas. who's just throwing freaking ah, haymakers yeah. as soon as you come around second base. That guy has not had to answer to anything yet, so frig him. I'm okay. Joe Kelly, you're my man. <laughs> Let's get into some hockey. <laughs> Please, before he murders one of us, BK. Where hits are allowed and we didn't see too many of them from the Blues last night. Let's play a game of buy or sell blues edition coming off of the first exhibition game of this new restarted season. Buy or sell coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. You thought I didn't pay attention to the show. The show has gone off the rails. I told you. Only you guys were able to hear what goes on during the break. (laughs) Jamie, literally moments before we go on air. What what are we doing? What's this segment? We doing doing one gotta go? No, Jamie. Not not, not yet. Someone someone cracked open the Long Islands early. Somebody wrote in an are we sure? So I'm like, wait a minute. All of a sudden I feel like the text line is running our rundown. 65780 is the air comfort service text line. We are playing a game of Buy or sell, Jamie, which is totally different. All right. Are you sure? Then in or out, completely different than take it or leave it. It is buy or sell. Buy or sell ice conditions are going to be a problem for the St. Louis Blues as this postseason advances. I'm going to buy it, but it's going to be for everybody. 
It's going to be for everybody. You know, that first game of the day is going to be the fastest game you'll see every day, and it's going to be the cleanest game you'll see every day. And uh, look, the biggest problem, and I talked a little bit with Danny Mack in the crossover about it, is the, the ice has a certain thickness that it needs to stay at in order to stay frozen properly. And when you have several games in a day, you don't have the chance. All you're doing is throwing water on it, right? So what happens is it has a buildup. So the ice actually gets thicker, and the pipes still are only set to a freeze at a certain thickness. I know I'm diving way into this, but anything above that target thickness becomes where it's not really freezing all that well. So then when you get out there and these guys are ripping through it, it creates like this slushy ice, and it it just the sloppy play continues from there. And we saw that. The passes, even the, the speed of the game, you start to dig into the ice more you're a little heavier on your feet so if i'm the blues as crazy as it sounds and you end up first in the first seed i'm petitioning yeah. for first day first game I was of the about day to say do we know how that's going to be set I don't up know. No. i wonder if it's going to sound weird but like if you could like draft your slot right if you're the top seed you should be able to pick when you want to play over the course of the day i, I absolutely think that should go hand in hand if you win the top seed you should be able to pick Every day that you play, your time slot. Yeah. Now, I'm sure the networks might have something to say about yeah, that. They're going to go with if... big markets and the big time slots. Yeah. Or Easter, East Coast-based teams. Teams that are used to it, yeah. Central and Eastern time yeah. zone will be earlier in the day. Because you got to think them... the markets that are going to be watching it. Right. What time zone. But I will say that I'm buying this as well because thick is better. The ice, the thickness of the ice. You want the thickness of the ice, right? Actually, you don't want it as thick. The thicker the ice, the slower the game. So thick is not better, from what I understand. I'm buying it because my two experts told me that I should. Buy or sell, special teams were the biggest issue for the Blues last night, Jamie Rivers. Uh, no, they weren't the biggest issue. They they were a cause for concern. You know, the power play. Look at I thought the power play looked fine. I they did just too. they just got nothing done, right? Yeah. And so when you you're you're exiting good, your breakouts are good. They're pretty clean. Your zone entries are pretty clean. You're getting set up, and then typical things that happen when you have a long layoff is you get out of your your rhythm, your mm-hmm. routine, and that's what it looked like. Is they were moving the puck around, moving them, and credit Chicago for just kind of plugging the lanes properly. But the Blues. In my opinion, when you're coming back from a long pause like that, one, two, maybe three passes, puck to the net, puck to the net. Practice getting that puck through to the net, puck retrieval, second, third opportunities. I think you would have saw a difference on the PK side of it. Just too loose, not connected enough, not enough backside pressure on the other team's breakouts and in zone, giving up the middle of the ice is way too easy. The offside forward wasn't collapsing to the high slot quick enough and it left guys wide open, causing a couple of goals. Uh, Buy or sell, the problem with the power play unit last night was that there weren't enough fans in the stands to say, shoot! Someone from Philly put that out, and apparently Philly must be the worst for like yelling shoot on power plays. The worst for yeah. And one of the reporters said, "Oh, Philly scored on the power play without fans telling them to shoot. How the hell did that happen? They figure it out. That was so true, so true. Buy or sell, Jamie." Dylan Carlson will be up by next week. Ah, I'm selling. I'm selling. I know. I know, guys. I know. But, you know, to your point earlier in the show, which you actually had a great point. I'm going to write that down. Happens here. occasionally. It, it, yeah. So, okay. I, I pulled wrote, it already and sent it to the awards. You got it? Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Dylan Carlson right now, if you bring him up and you throw him in this batting order, and if he doesn't give you, like, three for four, two for three, four for five. If he doesn't do that for you. 
Like he's going to feel like he's not producing. And so I think right now, until the Cardinals find just a little bit of a rhythm, a little more success, I wouldn't throw him into that fire right now. I'd wait, let him just get his at-bats down in Springfield. I don't even know what that looks like, what they're doing down there. But I know that if he's brought up and he's going to be singled out, man, we're all going to be talking about Dylan. What are we going to get from Dylan Carlson? And then what if he goes 0 for 4, 0 for 5, 1 for 4? Now, all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying? It has a reverse effect on this kid. So to me, no. I don't agree with it, but I'm buying it because I think it's going to happen. I think from hearing what John Mozalock said, what Jimmy the Cat Hayes said, they're going to have to make some type of changes to the roster. And look, if you filter through Elaine Thomas, Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, Dexter Fowler, and only two of those things are working and the other two aren't, you got to go get something. How many games they played so far now? Five, five. Five, right? Okay, I said about the 30-game mark that we'd see Dylan Carlson. I stand by it. Mm. I stand by it. Something else that I have had mentioned to me numerous times by our great listeners on Twitter as well is the Super 2 deadline, which is another deadline for this service time stuff, Jamie, is about a month in. So if they want to avoid the Super 2 status as well, which means they get an extra year of club control before arbitration saves them some money basically uh they could wait a little longer for that as well i will add this point um we are seeing today the diamondbacks have called up their top catching prospects the royals have called up one of their top pitching prospects so we're officially six games into the season for most of these teams this or six days rather Mm -hmm. this is when you get to the point of you can call these guys up with the extra year of service time now being available this is when we can actually start talking about it but i'm gonna sell i don't think dylan carlson is up by next week i think they're gonna wait a little longer i think they want to see they told us early on we want to see harrison bader first if he fails they still want to see lane thomas and i think you're gonna see all week next week if they don't go with Harrison. Ba- they don't sit Harrison Bader yet. All week next week, I think will be Lane Thomas's opportunity. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service sex line for buy or sell. Jamie, buy or sell. Young bodies, the young players, are actually the ones that stand to gain the most from this restart. They're going to be the ones that are immediately playing at the highest level. Yeah, I would buy that. And we, heck, we even discussed that on our show was that even Vince Dunn, who's been out for a substantial amount of time and behind as far as his training camp 2.0 is concerned, he's going to be ahead of the game. Why? Because he's young. These young legs don't take as much to get going. And if you look at last night, you could call me crazy, but I thought Sammy Blay and Robert Thomas looked good. I thought that they had some jump, at least. Okay, maybe they weren't picture perfect, but I thought the young guys had some jump, and that is going to make a big difference for the St. Louis Blues this postseason alone. The young legs will push this. You'll see some guys who are older who are in really good shape stand out like Petrangelo did last night. But the young guys are going to own this. I was watching Colorado play yesterday. Nate McKinnon, right where he left off. I mean, guy is just zooming around the ice. Connor McDavid, another one. Leon Dreisaitl, like the speed is going to show mm-hmm. up. But you know another thing? Joe Vitale made a really good point last night on the postgame show, which he always seems to do. It's not just the legs and the in the athleticism from these young guys. These are the guys that are already living a life like the bubble. And he said a lot of these younger players, you know, their livelihoods consist of being at the home, in their apartment, playing video games 24 
24-7. Eating, video games, sleeping, hockey. That's what all of these young yeah, guys have with the that. bubble. You so the odd one. It's go yeah. home, eat, sleep, hit the club. <laughs> but if you look at a team like the Edmonton Oilers, who are full of just young guys, they might benefit once this play picks up because this is normal for them. It's the older guys who are used to having three or four kids that missing their family that want to be home. They're the ones that are going to go through a lot of mental and emotional problems because they're missing their family. So I'm curious to see those young rosters, what mm-hmm. they do. The Oilers I, worry me. They really Oilers do. worry me too. Oh, and you, Toronto. I love that you mentioned McKinnon because yesterday we talked about the athletics poll among coaches and players of who the player is that they think could dominate this postseason. And they brought up McKinnon. He was the most uh, most answer most answered response among the players. Should. I I'm a little worried. Do do the Blues have a guy like that? Do do they have a player that could just dominate this postseason with speed? With the the no, out not of this like that. World, if you're not pulling, speed. if you're pulling, trying to pull a direct comparable, no, they don't have that. Okay, uh, but there's only like four of those guys in the NHL. Sure. period. Right. Of course, I'm not saying at that level necessarily, but a guy like that, like we we know the Blackhawks have some guys that like just with their speed and athleticism, they they jump off the page at you. Who is that guy on the Blues in your opinion? Look at. Uh, you could say Tarasenko, but you know, he's more he, of a heavy player. No, nah, he's right? quick. His, he's quick. Yeah, his he's first fast. five strides are as quick as anybody mm-hmm. uh, in the NHL. And after that, you know, he kind of levels out, but he is quick and he's shifty side to side. But the Blues' success is not going to lie on that at right, all. Yep. It's just not. What their success comes from five man units, team game, all the stuff that we think is cliche around sports in general. But that's how the Blues succeed: is they bring, you know, D- Doug Armstrong's. His quote of, you know, death by a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. That's the blues. Everybody brings a, a certain depth of cut when they're out there playing together. And so I think that that's the key to their success. I mean, Robert Thomas is a fast kid and he's going to be even faster as he goes. But again, he's way more important in the team concept. Pareko is one of those guys too. speed wise. He can dictate game because he can jump up into offense better than anybody on the blue line on the team. You may not have a player who can dictate by speed, but you got guys who can dictate by power. Size and skill. Jaden Schwartz dictated that entire series against the Winnipeg Jets. Ryan O'Reilly dictated the entire series against the Boston Bruins. Tarasenko against the Sharks. You have guys who can completely take over a series just from their skill alone. It's just, I will be really interested to see, and it's an experiment, right? We've never seen this before. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I'll be interested to see which side of that wins out in, in these playoffs because last. It's the first time they've been on the ice. There's still a mm-hmm. lot of time before we get to the actual playoffs. But l- last night was the first time I've even thought about this potentially being an issue. A lot of time, but only three games. Yeah. So when you look at it that way, yeah, there's 12 days, right? But only three games. They've got it. They've got to get it together quickly. Yeah. They, they have to get it together very quickly. Speaking of getting it together, that's what we're all hoping the Cardinals are able to do. And this offense is not as simple as one fix. It is a lot deeper than that. And we'll talk about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. You know, the thing about it is you don't want to overreact. And, and, you know, this is an offense that, you know, a couple games ago, you know, this group was touting, and rightfully so, as being a really... And, you know, towards the end of our camp, you know, really explosive, dynamic offense. And um, it's a very capable group. Uh, you know, clearly the last couple of days, not as not as consistent as we would like. 
Um, the approach was there. We just weren't able to execute as much as, as we as we care for. But a lot of confidence in this group, and um, I don't expect any wholesale changes. So he says he doesn't expect many wholesale changes. Here's the thing. There aren't a whole lot of wholesale changes that the Cardinals can make, even if they wanted to. Fowler's going to be starting just about every day. Yachty's going to be starting. Goldschmidt. O'Neal has now earned the respect of being able to get an extended stretch out in left field. DeYoung's going to be starting at short. Wong's going to be starting at second base. You're already up to six spots where you know you have an established starter, and I haven't even mentioned some of the other guys. Like this is not a this is a lineup that we knew was going to have some certainty with certain positions around the diamond every single day. The one that we've all focused on is center field because Harrison Bader has struggled immensely so far this season. He looks lost at the plate. Earlier today, we were talking to Mark Saxon, and he said it looks like the same guy that we've seen in his first thousand plate appearances in the big leagues. There's no reason why we should expect that to change. But, Jamie, this is bigger than any one player. Dylan Carlson isn't going to fix this offense. Could he help? Absolutely. But right now they rank in the bottom 10 in basically every major statistical category in all of baseball. They're not hitting the ball hard. The only guys on the team that ranked in the top 160 in average exit velocity in baseball are Paul DeYoung. He's 30th and Tyler O'Neill. He's 52nd. This is an up and down the lineup thing. This is they need internal improvements over the course of this season for them to be able to be the team that we all hope that they can be. This is not any one player, though, that needs to get better. It's all of them. And I know that's an easy thing for me to say, but it's even easier to say that if you just take out Harrison Bader and replace him with Dylan Carlson, everything's going to improve. That's not the case right now. No, I agree. And ultimately, that's the problem. That's the problem, is you have too many guys that need to pick it up. It's not like some teams, when you look at their roster, like, okay, you've got three guys, two, three guys, or maybe even four guys that need to pick it up. When I look at this, and, and you have in here in our notes, the Cardinals have one player since Sunday over 225 is batting. It's Tommy Edmond. You got one guy over 225, and I know that's not the end-all, be-all, having an average of 225 or higher, but it does tell a story. And so... And he would he have been your pick to be the one guy? No, I think I would have picked three other guys ahead of him. Yeah. You know, I mean, would have had DeYoung, would have had Goldie. And Edmund so far this year has been their most consistent player. I think I think I would have had him towards the top, though, because of what he did last year. Like you, you were curious. But but if you had to place a real bet with money involved, Schmidt, DeYoung, I'd put Edmund third, though. I'd put Edmund third. Okay. Uh, he, he's a contact guy. He's got speed. He was somebody who, it wasn't just a fluke. Over like, 225, I would have said Wong. I would have thought that Wong would have I been over 225. I was headed with it, too. Yeah, yeah. I w- he and Edmund would have been pretty close, though, because both are contact hitters, and both. but Wong's track record's different than Tommy Edmund's sure. track yeah. record. So, I, I, listen, guys, I know we talked crazy earlier today. Well, I did, anyways. About <laughs> That's every day. Yasiel Puig. The more I think about it, and I'm diving into stuff on my phone and looking and whatnot, the more I like it, and I tell you what, I like it in conjunction with bringing up Dylan Carlson. And here's my thoughts. If I'm running baseball operations for the Cardinals, if that happens, there's a serious problem. But <laughs> that being said, you sign Puig, you call up Carlson. Now you are, uh, you're literally cutting the press in half 
on these guys because people are going to be so focused on both guys. They're both polarizing in different ways, right? So then all the pressure isn't just on Dylan Carlson. Now Puig, who's this monster, this guy that's gigantic, you're looking over here going, hey, that's our DH. Oh, by the way, Dylan Carlson's going to be slotted in at six tonight or seven, wherever you put him in there. You're not just laser focused on the one individual. Yes, we'll be drawn to watch his success, but Yasiel Puig will give us something else to talk about at the same time. But Puig hasn't been on a roster since last year. He wasn't in training camp. He hasn't been so. Sun- what could he be any worse? Well, he can't. But I could go blindfolded up there and be the same as some of these guys. And, and I, and, <laughs> not me. But I get Puig. where you, I get where you're coming from. But from a Cardinals perspective, this is a guy who hasn't seen big league hitting since last year. Is his bat really going to make that much of a difference in a lineup? It might. When's the last time you rode a bike? But are you going to take a chance? When's the last time you rode a bike, Alex? Oh, forever. Okay, so if I put a bike out in the parking lot, could you ride it? Depends on how long you want me to ride it for. Could you ride it? For a little bit. There you go. The question the Cardinals... That's different than seeing big league hitting, though. The question... if I gave you a big league bike? (laughs) One more time. (laughs) The question the Cardinals have to answer is whether or not they're willing to give up on Matt Carpenter. Because that's what you would be doing. Because Tommy Edmond is now your starting third baseman. He's going to play there every day. He deserves to play there every day. You have a much better infield defense with him there. And at this point in their respective careers, it appears Tommy Edmond's a better hitter than Matt Carpenter. So there is nothing that Carpenter's doing right now better than Edmond. Edmond deserves to start. Well, then where else can you fit in Matt Carpenter? It's clearly the DH. That is a role that was made for him, and based on what he did in summer camp, everybody expected that he was going to excel as the DH. That hasn't happened. He has struggled mightily so far this year. And if you are going to bring in Yasiel Puig, it will almost certainly be as your designated hitter. At least that's where the majority of his well, at-bats I wouldn't are going to come. Put him, I mean, he's not bad in the he's outfield. He's pretty good he's defensively. He's got, he's got, a, he's got, a, got a rocket for an arm. But his speed's not up to par yeah. where you want him. But I'm just saying, Maybe yes. as the occasional day in right field when you're getting Dexter Fowler a day off. But to more avoid often all than not, debate, DH. He's going to yes. be your DH. And so you would be deciding at that point in time, Matt Carpenter is a bench bat. He's going to take Amundo Sosa's job. That's where Matt Carpenter would then go. And are you willing to do that now if you're the Cardinals? I know the vast majority of our audience would say, absolutely, yes, I'm ready to go there. I'm done with Matt Carpenter. The Cardinals have money to worry about. They have a relationship to worry about. They are more invested in Matt Carpenter than we are on the outside looking in. So I think their answer to the question would be no. That being said, I do think the offense would improve if you made that move. I think they would be a better baseball team as a result, but I don't think that's the ultimate driving of all decisions is what makes us the best baseball team possible. Otherwise, I think Dylan Carlson would have been up from day one. I don't even know if Yasiel Puig makes him a better team. I mean, it's what what we've just talked about. It gives you an option, But you're putting one more person in there. We just said it earlier. you got to put somebody on for him to hit a home run with, and if nobody else is hitting, look at this. He makes you better. But Wong, he's certainly a threat at least. But other than Edmund, your one through eight are all hitting below 200. Well, there's no doubt. You could put anybody, take any, you could take Mike Trout right now. Yeah, I agree. 100%. And drop him in the lineup. Then to your theory is that he, not even Mike Trout would help the team. But that's what I'm saying. This isn't a one person fixes all. This is a mass I mean, this is a mass exodus of getting rid of a roster that's not working so and filling just, in the holes. If, I, if I'm... Understanding what you're saying is that 
forget about it then. Forget no. about it and just develop and go young and get rid of all the dead weight because the the guys that are there right now aren't good enough anyway, so we got to find a way to get rid of everybody. Not forget about it, but it, it what the whole reason that we haven't seen moves is because they want to find out what these players are for this roster, but also financial situations. So is it going to benefit this team to go give Yasiel Puig, and I don't know what Atlanta had offered him to bring him, but I would imagine you're looking for somewhere between 5 and $8 million. Does this benefit your team Money well spent. to give him $5 million for a year? I would. In a heartbeat. It, 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 I would, too. I'm, I, let me make that known. I think his bet would help. From the Cardinals' perspective, this isn't going to make a difference. $18.5 million. That's what Atlanta was going to offer him? No, that's no. what Matt Carpenter makes next oh. year. And it's guaranteed. Is that Oh, so that's not an option. I no, thought he had his option. The following year is the if, option year for Matt Carpenter. I don't know if you see him here. That's How do you get rid of him? You Someone have to attach him. a prospect to him. Because Someone will take yeah. him. Nobody's, nobody's you have taking, to hang a filet mignon around him, Coming right? off of the <laughs> pandemic, I hate filets. when teams are already hurting for money... There's not going to be anybody offering you anything of value for Matt Carpenter. In fact, you would have to give them something of value to take Matt 100%. Carpenter right now. 100%. So I would fully expect he's going to be back next year. And if that is going to be the case, the Cardinals are going to ride this out with him. So we can want them to make a move to improve their DH position. I would like them to do that. I, I disagree with Alex here where I do think Yasiel Puig as a DH would be a better hitter for the Cardinals than Matt Carpenter this year. Full stop. And I do think as a result of that, you're a better team. I don't think, though, for them to have to put an $18.5 million player on the bench for the rest of this year and probably not have a role for him next year, I don't think that's something they're going to be willing to do. So, I... I don't know what the answer is here. I don't know either. I tell you, the curse, again, I'll go back to it, and people can hate me for it. The curse was getting to the NLCS last year for yep. the Cardinals because now everybody, we're all sitting here foaming at the mouth for World Series. Well, we're one step away. No. No, we're not. And we're clearly not when you break down the batting order. Yep. They're... They need Dylan Carlson to be the guy that they said. They also need Colton Wong to start hitting. They need Matt Carpenter to start hitting. And if they get those three things, maybe then we can start talking because the bullpen's excellent. The starting rotation so far this year has been solid. The defense defense has been quite good. The thing they're missing is the thing that they were missing a year ago. It's the thing that we talked about all offseason. It's the offense. And the offense is not any one player that is the problem. If you want to bring up Harrison Bader, I'll listen. If you want to bring up Matt Carpenter, I'm here for it. If you want to talk about Colton Wong's struggles, and they are big-time struggles right now at the plate, I will listen to all of those things. But when I say that they are 22nd in batting average and 24th in on-base percentage and 20th in slugging percentage while also being 29th in their hard hit rate as a team, that is not an individual statistic. That is one through nine in their lineup. They've got to get better from top to bottom. I got a question for you guys because I, I don't know these things. Does baseball allow you to have a buyout? Like the NHL, you have that one buyout you can use every year and you no. can. Mm-mm. What is this DFA stuff? DFA. You, you can designate him for assignment and then another team can pick up his contract and they are now. So basically like waivers. You yes. can wave a guy. And if nobody picks him up, then he's in your system still, or he's released through free agency. But you're still paying, paying him for a boat, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. There's there's no buyout like in the NHL. Okay. Yep. There's there, well, That sucks. There is nothing yeah. you can do. Because <laughs> Brett Cecil was DFA'd. Nobody took him, so he's a free what? agent. They released him. I know. Crazy, right? That's was a real surprise. Arm. Who wow. could have seen it coming? And then he got paid still. 
Yeah. I wonder he won't call me back. Matt Carpenter's <laughs> getting that eighteen and a half million dollars next yep. year, whether we like it or not. Unless it's they trade coming him. his way. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Try to liven things up coming up next as we cross things over with the fast lane on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Time to cross things over with the fast land. We have Anthony Stalter in studio. Stalts, what's up, man? Word up, homies. How we doing? All right, Stalts, I'll tell you what. You, yeah. you, doing better now. I'm looking for I'm looking for help here, okay? Well, uh, well, BK kind of had my back on this, so I shouldn't dog on BK. I, you know, even though we threw monkey urine on him earlier and we're ready to sacrifice him to baboons, too. Did I go against you on this one? Yeah, you kind of did, oh, okay. actually. Good. Yeah. Well, In fact, you did a lot. You deserve it. Yeah. No, I don't. Serves so, you right. Cardinals right now, um, swinging the bats, not well, very well. Oh. No. Maybe they're swinging them well, not well. hitting anything. Um... So I thought to myself, well, how can we improve this? So, pff, it's easy. Yasiel Puig. Bring in Yasiel Puig, call up Dylan Carlson, deflect some of the attention, split it up so the media doesn't just go crazy on Dylan Carlson. You got two bats now that can make some contact in your lineup. Mm-hmm. I think you just got better. Alex Ferrario went right over and had a greasy poo-poo right on my idea. <laughs> Didn't like it, Anthony. What's your beef with it? Um, he hasn't seen major league pitching since last year no training camp had corona it's always good i think right so my answer to that <laughs> on the vid my maybe my my answer to that stalt was the I said, when's the last time you rode a bike alex oh he says it's been forever oh, go, if I, if I, hang on bike if i gave you a bike as... and i put it in the parking lot could you ride it bike riding's the same as major league pitching I mean, these guys have seen five games of pitching. It's not like they've seen significantly more than Yasiel Puig I just don't think he makes you better. I think he does. He's basically saying he thinks Matt Carpenter is the same caliber of hitter at this point in their career. Now now we're putting words in my mouth. Well, that's who you're replacing. So it would be one for one, Puig versus Carpenter. If Puig is the same caliber of hitter as Carpenter or worse, then you stay the same. Is that possible? If Puig is better then you get better. Even if it's incrementally better, he is a better hitter right now, I would imagine. I think the first step before we go outside the organization, I think the first step oh, God. is Thank Lane you. Thomas is my center fielder oh, he always, that's for the I foreseeable forgot. future. Vote Thomas. Stalter has a t-shirt on. Tyler O'Neill, in a very short stint here, has carved himself out a, a permanent role in left field. At least as permanent as you can get. Mm-hmm. He's your guy in left field. Dexter Fowler has been productive enough to stay in right. Okay. Harrison Bader outside of getting hit a couple of times, has not been productive. I mean, it's a strategy. A hundred. Sure. Lean into it. Use it more Just often. Ask Bob Get on base. <laughs> Lean into it. 162 games. Maybe, maybe you can wait another week or so before you get Harrison Bader out. But he's done nothing. And you've got a guy in Lane Thomas. They could play center field. He chased down the one in the gap on Sunday against Pittsburgh last weekend. He's got a better hit tool. But we just don't know if he can do what Tyler O'Neill has done, which is produce. That'd be my first step. My question to you, because I'm with you, I'm, I'm all for making that change. The problem is this isn't a individual problem no, for all. the Cardinals, right? And so I, I do, I, I caution for Cardinals fans suggesting, hey, just make that change and everything's going to be. 
no, there is a lot that needs to be fixed in this lineup. And a lot of it is moves that you can't make. Like Colton Wong's going to be out there every day. Goldschmidt's going to be out there every day. Edmund and Yachty. These guys are going to be in the lineup every day, and all of them are struggling right now. So make the move in center. I'm not arguing against that. I, I think that should happen. But it's not a magic elixir to be able to open up this lineup with no. the potential that they're going to have either. No, you're, you're not going to be Minnesota overnight. You're not going to turn into the Yankees overnight. No, I mean, you're right. They have to they have to produce. When did the defense get better? When Mike Schilt took over. No, actually, the defense got better when he got better defenders. When he and actually played Colton oh. Wong at second base. And the same and idea Goldschmidt. applies. Mm. Goldschmidt is yep. a gold glover. Tommy yeah, Edmonds Wong better at third now. The entire time. You got better production in center field. You finally took Carpenter <laughs> yes. off third That's base. exactly why. Okay. Yeah. Guys, finally took Carpenter off third. I'm wondering if, um, at the end of the day, I'm just wondering if the new hitting coach solve everything. <laughs> oh, here we go. All we need is a trash can. <laughs> a nice big old trash can. It's not a bad thought. Is Carlos Beltran available? If I see I Harrison Bader starting to go two for three and three for four, and I'm hearing a trash can banging mm-hmm. in the background, which now, you will. now I know we've got our coach. Yeah. So the Cardinals not, might not be great right now, but Budweiser doing something awesome with 101 ESPN. We've teamed up for a one-of-a-kind giveaway, giving away a custom Budweiser-branded John Deere riding lawnmower. Find the contest now on your 101 ESPN mobile app and use the promo code BUD. That's B-U-D to get entered. Must be 21 or older to enter. See the full contest rules and more info on your 101 ESPN mobile app or online at 101ESPN.com. Stoltz, what's coming up on the fast lane today, my man? Well, we'll break down the offensive woes for the Cardinals. There was some good to come out of last night. We'll tell you what that is. Plus, uh, the Blues are, what, done, I guess? This is it. That was rough yesterday. (laughs) Could have been better. Practice game. And that mattered. That mattered. So, of course, we'll go (laughs) complete overreaction on the Blues uh, scrimmage yesterday. That's coming up from 2 to 6. We'll be back tomorrow at 11. For Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Stay tuned on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.